Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the MJ Cast. You're joining us for episode 88, and the record date today is when is this, Jamin? What is the date? Eight. Eight. This is is it really? Yeah. There you go. Eighth of September, 2018. We're going to head 88 miles an hour into the future with lots of news and discussion. We're going to be joined for our main discussion topic by Courtney and cousin Cam of the Janet Today podcast. We've got stuff to talk about with Michael. We've got fashion line releases by Culture Kings and Cotton On, new books from Anthony King, Richard Lecoq, Francois Allard. Uh, We've got Vincent Patterson book coming out. We've got an amazing story about Michael Jackson scholarships in Jacksonville from a donation he made in 1984. There are so many things. There's good news. There's bad news. Casio news, charity news, Jackson news. It's a big show. Buckle in. 88 miles an hour. Let's go. The following is a presentation from the MJ cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. I love you. <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Q, are we in the future or what? Where are we? Is this the Cafe 80s? Cafe 80s. 88. 88 was such a good year for me. I ha- oh. I remember a lot of that year. I had a great teacher. I had a great class at school that year. The whole year was a great year. And of course, in Australia, it was the bicentenary. So 1988, for the bicentenary celebrations, we actually had a World's Fair in Brisbane, where you live, at mm-hmm. one of our famous best locations that we both adore there now. It's called South Bank. But in I 1988, it. it was, yes, World Expo 88. Yeah, it was, I was two. Life, life-changing. You were two. I was two years old. I remember nothing about it, but apparently I went. <laughs> oh, I remember a fair bit. It was awesome. And that that... And I think in conjunction with maybe seeing Disney on ice in a, in a couple of years after that were probably huge seeds for my Disney parks obsession. The <laughs> mixture of the World's Fair and then seeing Disney at that impressionable age, that had me set up. Very cool. And didn't Michael Michael tour Australia in around that time? No. Was that 89? No, oh, well, he was in the – no. He, uh, wow, actually, I might be wrong. I think – I have a feeling he toured Australia in 87. Oh, no, that when the, when the oh, Bad Album came out? Hang on. Yeah. I'm going to Google this right now. I, I think you're well, right. 89? No, 89 maybe. was the second leg, so he was like in the States and stuff during that, that time. Hang on. Bad Tour Australia. I know it's 87 or 88. Uh Okay, well, the show's started 12th September 87. Um, I think it, I think I got a feeling it was 87 in Brisbane. Well, add Brisbane to your Google search, then you'll find it. Yeah, that's what there's I a YouTube the f- video that says it 87, November 28th. I love the video. I love the, there's a photo, sorry, of um, Michael meeting the mascot of World Expo 88, Expo Oz, a platypus. 
Oh, cool. And I always wondered how that photo came to be because Expo was in 88, but Michael yeah. came here before that. So I was like, huh, I wonder how that worked out. Just before that. So maybe it was already anyway, made. And, yeah. We are right. already <laughs> off topic. Wow. That was quite a detour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We got some follow-up to cover, don't we, since our last episode? Yeah, there's one thing that you forgot to put on it, and I want to do it first before I forget because sure. I will forget. I want to say thank you to Sean for mm. our birthday episode for being available, which was such a great coincidence that he was. But when he jumped on the line and you and Elise and I and Sean, we had nothing in front of us. We had no planned for the show we had no questions it was literally thrown together in the amount of time that took me for it to walk from in the city in melbourne where i was to get my lunch back to the hotel and then jump on the line it was that quick we i think we gave him five to ten minutes notice it was crazy yeah we were lucky that he was free yeah but um all of us together Thank you, and thank you guys, and yeah, big thanks to Sean for that because the reception to that episode, uh, the Michael Jackson Day, Michael's 60th birthday episode, has been terrific. It's been so positive. It was a great, great conversation um, to have. It took us right back to that moment. Very cool. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, bad to a moment. There you mm. go. That was one of the moments. So if you haven't heard that episode, head back to episode 87. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, and check it out because people are talking about it. And there was mm -hmm. some good music in that one as well. So that was one thing I wanted to say thank you to you guys and to Sean for that. But another thing, because that was such a rushed episode, I didn't get a chance to say thank you to a bunch of people for episode previous, couple of episodes previous. Um, it was the episode I did with Damien and Elise. Yeah. And I recorded that the day after my Nana passed away and you as well, because you weren't on the show, but you were still in the background. I like was in we mission talking and stuff. Episode, you in? Yeah. But I want to say thank you to you and Elise and to Damien for helping me through that. And all of the listeners that sent me messages uh, of condolences on social media, I read them all and I appreciated it very much. So thank you to everyone for that as well. Okay. You're such a special guy, mate. My heart really broke for you and your family in that moment. And um, yeah, it's never easy, is it? No, it is not. It is not. But life goes on. And in the end, we had a great show so it worked out pretty good. I held it together and we got through it. And all right, your turn. Follow up. Yeah. So um, there was a thing that happened with Sony, like lots of things happened with Sony. But remember when we kind of found out about the uh, <laughs> instructions that they sent out to retailers, JB Hi-Fi and Sanity Music in Australia, um, they, they well, the vinyl collection thing was about to come out and they were... Uh, sending them email instructions on basically what to what to write on their websites, and we discovered in those emails that um, they had instructed these these retailers uh, to call Michael Jackson a particular name that he did not like being called ever. And uh, Q, what was that name? Jacko. That mm. was literally in the email. Yeah, they actually they actually wanted. Uh, these retailers to call him Jacko. When we did a little bit of digging around and uh, 
actually weeks in advance from when that even happened, we asked Sony to not do that. We were in contact with one of the senior executives at Sony Music saying, look, this has been leaked to us. Um, you need to, you know, change this for various reasons. It wasn't just the word Jacko. There was heaps of heaps of other errors in the in the text as well, like factual errors and things. Um, the guy that I was talking to failed to fix those things, seemed more interested in wanting to find out who leaked it instead of fixing it. So we took it a little bit further and got listeners of our show to email the CEO of Sony Music Australia directly to say this needs to be fixed and it totally worked because the next day after we started that campaign um, I was on an ex- I was standing on a no yeah I was on a beach I just got off a boat um, I was standing on a beach you were, a, it was a school excursion <laughs> it was a geography a excursion it was- <laughs> yeah it was a geography excursion I had students all around me yeah we got an email at that point from one of the principal lawyers at Sony Music um, apologizing profusely for, for what happened and that it wouldn't happen again and he rectified the situation and set up a voice call, uh, a phone call with us a little later where we could sort of tell him our thoughts around their um, behavior and their relationship with Michael. So, yeah, it was an interesting time, but I wanted to say thank you to everybody that that joined us in raising their voice or raising our voice as one um, to get that fixed up, and it was fixed up. So these things work when we do them, not all the time, but um, they often work. So let's continue to do that, and thank you for joining us. Doing something is better than doing nothing. Yep. That's my word on it. Q, you, unfortunately, normally you go to a birthday lunch with your Perth MJ crew every year to celebrate Michael's life. But correct me if I'm wrong, but this this year you had the weekend from hell with your um, work schedule. You are lucky you cannot see my face. It is dark <laughs> as hell at the moment. Still cranky about that. Oh, my mm. God. My highest priority bid is weekends off because I have stuff to do. And, of course, that weekend we had planned for our local Perth charity lunch for Michael's 60th birthday. And they gave me a Thursday off. And then they had me on a three-day trip, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, away Mm. over on the east coast coming back and then having monday off absolutely useless sadly i wasn't able to make the birthday lunch but i know there was a few others we because a little group you know there's nurses and teachers and childcare people a surgeon in the group and not everyone's schedule is always playing nice and aligned so there was a few other people that wasn't able to make it as well. So in the end, we had to sort of cancel the the little birthday charity lunch. But we're going to try and do something. September's flying past so fast. I can't even think when we might try. But it'll be sometime in the next couple of months, we'll do a little catch-up lunch. Yeah, so that was beyond disappointing. And I was not impressed. And I couldn't swap my trip. Like there was one colleague that she goes i'll try and swap it with you when we were looking at our rosters to do it we would need to swap 10 days of the 28 day roster just to get that weekend off and in the end she couldn't do it because of family stuff and that's perfectly understandable so yeah anyway that was disappointing so i've got home and i celebrated his birthday the day after when i finally got home just listening to music and stuff but this week i did 
have a trip uh, and I got a good time in a city to catch up with our friend Paul Black, my first ever MJ mate, and that was wonderful. So we geeked out over Michael's stuff all afternoon and evening. It was so cool. Yeah, and he showed me all these amazing photos from some trips he's had recently to the US where he's been checking out like locations where Michael performed iconic performances. So Motown 25 performance, um, the famous MTV performance where, you know, the dangerous medley, the whole medley and he finished with you and not alone. Yep. Um, So like the thriller house. So he's gone around and been in these venues and then had like pictures or video and able to look up and compare, okay, this is where the stage was or even going up on the stage. This is what Michael would have seen from his point of view and sort of just getting into the moment. Um, So it was awesome getting that little tour of different venues. And I think he's got another trip coming up in October. And while he's over in the U S he will be doing another couple of venues of iconic sort of historical Michael locations. So it's like that book, the touring with MJ book. Yeah, yeah, Traveling with a King Yeah, Christoph. Traveling with a King, that's right. Um, So he's sort of taken that to like another level and sort of being in the moment and just visualizing and feeling what would it have been like in this particular theater for the Motown 25 performance with the Jacksons and then Michael with Billie Jean. So, but yeah, no, we had a big geek out and it was really good fun. So it was awesome to see Paul. And I know that he's been catching up on our episodes while he's been traveling and between jobs and things like that. So that was really cool. So shout out to Paul. I know you're listening at some point. Thank you. Love you. Um, yeah, and uh, in other follow-up as well, MJ History on Film podcast by Chris Maffey um, has has wrapped up for the time being, unfortunately, very sadly. Yeah. I don't know if we actually even had a chance to speak about it in one of our episodes, did we? Uh, no, I can't recall. I think, yeah, I don't know, but it, it certainly, it, it all happened very quickly, didn't it? It did. So in case you didn't know and had already subscribed to this and you go, well, where's the show gone? There was going to be a podcast called MJ History on Film. It was going to be chronicling and discussing every one of Michael's short films before coming back and then maybe doing other stuff like Jackson stuff and Moonwalker and things like that. Incredible presenter, incredible talent, Chris Maffey. And he'd got the teaser up and then the first episode had come out. But due to some personal life stuff, he had to not continue the show, which I can understand. You know, podcasting takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. And if there's something happening in the background of life, it can just be too much. So, I respect his decision not to put out a half-baked product or to rush something out that isn't of the best quality because, as we feel, Michael deserves the best. So the show got wrapped up very quickly. But who knows what the future holds? I have strong hopes and feelings that when the time is right, this sort of podcast and project will come to be. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I have very, very similar thoughts to that. I mean, 
Chris uh, did an outstanding job on that first episode. It was perfect, really. Uh, and he he came out the gate with a product that was already um, at a level of perfection that I'm I was very jealous of in terms of um, production. <laughs> it was it was amazing, and you know he just made it that's seem his day so job, man. That's different. That's right, but he he sort of made it look so effortless. And I just think, and and the the passion was was so real. And he talks about it as being you know a lifelong sort of thing that he wanted to do. So, yeah, there's some roadblocks there right now and he's going through some personal stuff. But I can tell you what, a guy like that with a passion for MJ like that, he's he's not going to be able to bottle that forever. I reckon I reckon Chris is going to be back one day and we'll be ready for when he launches that show again because it was so good. Absolutely. Chris, if you need anything, reach out. We got you, man. That's it. Moonwalk Walks is a thing and it's happening and Stephen at MJFFC, Michael Jackson Fans for Charity, is heading that up. It's a really cool initiative. It's where, if you didn't know about it, Stephen's sending out a copy of Moonwalk, Michael's uh, autobiography, to every continent on planet Earth, including Antarctica. I'm yet to hear from Stephen how that one became possible, but (laughs) he sent all the books out. And um, I have got, um, I am the uh, Moonwalk Walks Australia um, representative. So I've got my copy of Moonwalk Walks. Um, and I will be uh, a part of what we have to do in that that initiative is we have to get photographs of us with the book in iconic locations of the city we live in. So um, I haven't had time yet, but I will be going out and getting some photographs of myself um, at South Bank and, and Brisbane CBD and probably the Parklands and uh, I'll put them up online. And then once we've done that, we've got to like write a little note sort of thing in the book and we have to leave it somewhere in the city for somebody else to pick up and read. And it's got this little thing in the cover where you sign it, you know, you put your name and the date and you can even send an email back into um, Stephen to say where you found the book or what you thought about it. And the idea is that this book, Moonwalk, is going to walk all around the place and who knows how far it's going to go, but Stephen's going to be able to track it over time where it ends up. So I'm going to start Hopefully. that. Hopefully. Uh, for for our Australian version. (laughs) That's so cool. I love this. I hope that people do the right thing and they pick up the book when it's out and they do what needs to be done so that it can be going all around the countries. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of where the best place to leave it is. I don't want to leave it outdoors because the weather might wreck it and someone might just put it in the bin. You'd hope not, but I want to sort of leave it maybe in a coffee shop or maybe a Starbucks or... Oh, I don't know. Maybe they would just hand yeah. that to the counter and say, "Oh, it's a lost property." I'm trying to think of the, the maybe place where it's got the best chance to then go on to someone else. Maybe university. Yeah, yeah. That's it's got a sticker on the front that says like "pick me up" or something. So it's pretty obvious that it's not been left there by accident. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, just a hot tip: don't leave it on an airplane because everything <laughs> goes to lost property. Folks, yeah. <laughs> so for you and the other correspondents, just don't leave it on an airplane or public transport because that's they won't go anywhere. Well, maybe I'll give it to you, and I don't know. Maybe it can travel over the country because that'd be cool to see how much distance it can travel. I don't know. We'll see. Hi again, guys, and thank you for inviting me to contribute to another great episode of the MJ Cast. I know how long this kind of stuff takes, and many of us are juggling it all with normal life. 
and it gets even crazier around the latter part of August. So it's great that you are getting some really informative episodes out there. I have just come back from various family breaks and can't wait to get stuck in again. I'm just a fan like you guys and every episode I listen to I find I'm learning even more about Michael, even after 30 years of being a fan, which is just great. So I have some updates for you. The first is the Diamond Celebration charity fundraiser, which is really the first time the estate has made more of an effort to cover a huge part of Michael's life, and that is charity. To finally see the 20% from Michael's will being used after almost 10 years is a good start. The estate decided to help the Elizabeth Taylor Ace Foundation as part of the 60th Diamond Celebrations in Las Vegas. I'm not sure how much this actually helped the foundation, but I'm sure it helped raise awareness. But as of writing this, their fundraising page for it is still sitting on almost $1,500, which is 3% off their target of $50,000 for fundraising. There's probably still time to contribute though, so if you still wanted to give, you can do so over on their website. To commemorate, honour and continue his humanitarian legacy, Michael's Dream Foundation delivered their dream boxes to Sunrise Children's Hospital in Las Vegas on Michael's birthday, with little help from E. Casanova and Michael's former bodyguard, Mike Garcia. The gifts to the children recovering from illness went down a storm. The foundation is currently raising funds to furnish a children's orphanage in Ranchi, India, with clothes, books and toys. If you'd like to assist them, they are up on Facebook, so check them out. Michael Jackson's legacy has also been very busy. They have been raising a lot of money by fundraisers walking, giving and sponsoring, and recently raised £570 around Michael's birthday, which I know will go a long way for their charity projects. You can also find them up on Facebook. Our Moonwalk Walks tribute project has started, which involved the delivery of seven books, one to each continent around the world in time for Michael's birthday. I am pleased to say that while most of them made it, one had to be remade and resent, and another hasn't yet reached its destination. But the good news is that we have a sponsor for none other than Antarctica, and the book will be sent out to our new contact there over the coming weeks. The books are going to be left in various public places for people to pick up and read about Michael, and then, hopefully, logged with photos on Twitter using the hashtag of MoonwalkWalks. In time, we should see a few posts pop up on Twitter where we can follow all of the book's journeys as they travel around the world. As you hopefully know by now, I created the UK-based charity MJFSC and its main tribute, the Michael Jackson Monthly Giving Project, back in 2011. With the MJCast's help recently by inviting me onto their podcast, we have been able to raise even more awareness of our charity and project and have been gradually getting like-minded fans on board thanks to these episodes being out there. We currently have 51 members and are looking for hundreds more. If you listen to this podcast, the next member could be you. To join the charity project, all you need to do is commit to £1 per month. That's it. We have made our donation form as simple to use as possible and you only have to do it once. You can become an active member by voting for beneficiaries in our easy-to-use Facebook group polls or can just join us and let other members decide where your £1 goes each month. We will email you a monthly update so you're always kept in the loop. You get a personalised certificate that you can print and can cancel your donations at any time. When you give £1 each month, that £1 after PayPal fees goes directly to the beneficiary with the most votes at the end of each month as a group. Nothing goes to myself, our members or any other expenses, so we fund all of that ourselves. We have also recently arranged an alternative PayPal transaction fee rate of 5% plus 5p, which now makes every one of your £1 go even further as a tribute to Michael. At the time of recording this, we have member number slots of 22 and 50 available, so if you are amongst the next two to join us, you will fall into our very important first 50 member milestone. You may be thinking to yourself that £1 won't make a difference, but it really does. 
In fact, some members can afford to give more than that £1, which is fine, of course, but it means that even with 50 monthly members, we are able to consistently raise over £200 each month for different beneficiaries. This is every month. Now think of this and now imagine us having 500 members. We could be making a huge change as Michael Jackson fans wanting to pay it forward from our love for Michael and all he has given us in his lifetime. And I know the MJ car shows the same sentiments when I say that deep down. I think a lot of us really do understand the other side of Michael, wanting to give back to the world. I see it as a way MJ fans can help continue where Michael left off. And the idea of it just being £1 to start is so that fans are in a better position to jump on board. In the birthday month of August 2018, just gone, we raised £215 for the Missing Kids charity in our Lost Children fundraiser. We're now raising money throughout September for free shortlisted beneficiaries in our global event fundraiser from Myanmar Refugees and the charity Help Refugees. So if you join us this month, this is where your money will be going at the end of September in tribute to Michael as Michael Jackson fans. I spend a lot of time refining, running and shortlisting beneficiaries for the project and can't really see myself doing anything else as important as providing these tools to MJ fans to give back to the world like Michael often did. I do hope you will join myself and the MJ cast one day and consider becoming a £1 monthly member. We are a friendly bunch of people and I'm always around to answer any members' concerns or any other feedback they may have about the project. Our members often rave at how much fun and how easy it is to take part and you'll probably find that you are already friends with some members online anyway. So when you discover they are members too, just ask them all about it. But that is enough of me rambling. It really does take seconds to join us, so I hope one day you will be in a position to do so at www.mjffc.org. If anyone needs to contact me, you can often see me floating around on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And if you see me at any MJ events in the future, please do grab me and say hi. I don't bite that hard and I love meeting new MJ fans. Thank you for listening. More updates soon, and don't forget to keep making that change. Well, cool. that's it for follow-up stuff. Yep, and we've got some news to cover now, don't we? We've had a uh, yes, we do. merchandise line uh, of, of Michael Jackson fashion, uh, or inspired, f- fashion, <laughs> inspired fashion, I should say, has come out by Culture Kings in Australia, and uh, Cotton On as well. Now, I had a little bit of a different take, I think, to to UQ when when this sort of came out, I um I, I saw the trailer for the Culture King stuff happen a few weeks ago, and and I got to say when I saw those T-shirt designs on on day one when they unveiled them, I thought they were kind of cool. I liked the simplicity of them. I none of them really made me go, oh, that's a gross design or bad. But you know, I think you had a bit of a different take, especially around the pricing. Okay, so I loved the designs. Mm-hmm. I thought they were really cool generally very cool designs and you know something different and they were not just a shitty iron on square transfer like they did for <laughs> dangerous celebration online these actually were really cool they actually had two releases with culture kings they did a, another one this week for the sort of next range the designs were cool the prices were not they were so overpriced i'm like no, not going to happen. How much was I it for one ju- T-shirt? Let me see. Let me see if I can. You talk a little bit about it. All right. Well, I mean, more. the thing is, like, I wasn't sort of shocked by the price because I do disagree with the price, and I think it's bad that they would charge that much money for a T-shirt. But I wasn't that surprised because I'm pretty certain Culture Kings are known for charging a ridiculous amount for t shirt $50. Designs. $50. Yeah. yeah. Forty nine ninety five, 
Oh my god! And I think nearly all of them are sold out. Here it says there's only three left of this one, three left of this one, one left of this one. Fifty dollars for a t-shirt? Are you kidding me? I don't even think they charge that at a concert, do they? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, anymore, but that's but if you that's are crazy. at a concert, you're sort of paying for the whole experience of it as well. And fifty dollars in a shop for a t-shirt? No, that is a bit rich. Like. Why would they charge that much? That is so stupid. Okay, yeah. and just to continue this Q rant on, okay, Cotton On, another brand in Australia, released a black denim jacket with a huge, dangerous album cover patch on the back, and it was stunning. They only made... 250 of these and the price was super reasonable at 79.95 so like 80 bucks for a jacket which i can justify that that is justified that's only 30 dollars more than a shitty t-shirt so that is a good price i think they sold out in like two hours so by the time someone had messaged me about it on whatsapp which would have literally been like that night of its release, by the time the next day, I was like, oh, my God, amazing. They had already sold out. Wow. Are you kidding me? 250 as if there's not a market for this. They could have sold thousands, especially for such a reasonable price point. So I was pissed off and I'm still annoyed. So feel free to message Cotton On on Facebook. And they're on Instagram as well. And I know that some people have got a reply saying, oh, maybe you should join up to our email list and then you will know when stuff like this happens. Fuck off. No. I'm not going to subscribe to every clothing shop in the world just in the hope that they release Michael Jackson line of stuff and then only release 250 of it. Mm -mm. No, not impressed. And I would, I would be rocking that jacket. That would be my uniform for life. I'd be buried in that thing. <laughs> it was it was really nice. So it wasn't like two hundred. We're going to make two hundred and fifty because it's a limited edition, and you're going to. This is the pre-order date, and it wasn't like that, was it? It was just like it's on sale. We didn't tell anyone about it, and we're only yep. manufacturing two fifty. That's ridiculous. Yep. And I okay, limited edition things piss me off a bit as well. I get it if it's a collectible sort of like that's the whole point of a collectible like here's a michael jackson plaque there's only like 1000 of these manufactured and it's a special limited art piece and stuff like that this is just a jacket so calm down because you should <laughs> want people to buy as many of these as possible 250 mm. whatever oh so frustrating it's been a while since a good q rant I needed that. There you go. Better out than in. <laughs> All right. Something a little bit more uh, positive. Uh, a friend of the show, Anthony King, has released uh, his, well, uh, I called it online, his first book on Michael Jackson. But he, he told me uh, ages ago he'd actually released another book that, you know, uh, I think it was quite a while ago, many, many years ago. And I don't know if it was, you know, huge and, and everything like that. But this one is is really his first real analytical style book on 
Michael Jackson, and it's called Michael Jackson and Classical Music. It's already out. You can grab it in a bunch of places like Amazon. And this book is is quite unique because I guess I'm wrong when I say it's analytical. It's more like a an exploration of all of the different classical pieces of music that Michael chose to um, include in his own works. So in some cases, I mean, there's obvious ones there where Michael included at the start of Will You Be There, a a classical piece of music in that song. Um, But he also included a lot of classical music to start his live shows, um, often different ones for every, you know, concert and a tour. And uh, promos, he, promo, yes, absolutely. Promo the brace videos, yourself we, video, yeah, brace yourself and stuff Camina like that. Barana, and yeah, there, there are a lot of instances. So, if you want to know the history of all of these classical pieces and composers that Michael was so deeply inspired by, and we know that Michael loved classical music, that's what played at Neverland a lot of the time. Um, if you want to learn about what he was inspired by as, as a a great timeless musician himself, then pick up this book, Michael Jackson and Classical Music by friend of the show, Anthony King. It is detailed. Oh, yeah. Just saying, (laughs) detailed. It's encyclopedic. So detailed. Encyclopedic. Perfect description. Uh, And, yeah, we hope to – and there's a lot more coming from Anthony King, isn't there? This is – yeah like the first of a million books that he's writing and putting out. We've actually got his next, I won't reveal what it's about, but we've got a, a portion of his next book sitting in our uh, inbox, ready to, to peruse, Q. So oh yeah, there is Lord, another one coming I, soon. I need some time to sit <laughs> and read a book. Yeah, I am so busy with work. Like, oh my God, I just want to read some books. I think I just, yeah. I'm exhausted. Work has been crazy. Staying on the track of books. I'm so proud that we get to talk about so many Michael Jackson book releases. Because there was a yeah, there was a long time and there was just crickets. There was nothing except yeah, just nothing. Anyway, French fans, Richard Lecoq and Francois Allard have a book that we did speak about a while ago. It's out on October twenty-third, Michael Jackson. All the songs, the story behind every track. Can't wait. This looks good. And this is actually, did we see this is going to be in music stores in Australia, Jamin, at Sanity, I think? I have never seen another Michael Jackson book ever get this level of promotion. Not even the estate-backed ones like Vogels and Noppers this this Ugh. book is on online advertising everywhere. I go to Facebook. There's ads mm-hmm. on the side for this book. For, That's to, great. Yeah, it's everywhere that I'm seeing. We need to find out how they did that because that is a huge coup for yeah. a Michael Jackson book and a book that is actually worthy of fans purchasing it because this, like, go and have a look on Amazon. Even like they've got some screen caps of pages. This looks like a dream book for Mm -hmm. if you want to know about all, not just some, not just an album's worth, but all of Michael's songs. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that Richard is, I don't know too much about Francois. I'm looking forward to chatting to him one day, but 
we know I know Richard and and I can tell you he's a great guy. His heart's in the right place as an MJ fan. He's all about Michael's legacy, and uh, he's is he deserves every every bit of success that they have with this book. So I can't wait to get my hands on it as well. Yeah, I had friends messaging me. They had seen an ad on Facebook or on Sanity or whatever, or had got an email. I'm not sure, but they like took a screen cap and go, "Q, have you got this book?" I'm like, "Oh no, we haven't. It's not out yet." But I can't mm. wait, and I think we're gonna try and talk to the guys that made it. So that's pretty cool when friends are even reaching out. I think there's really a place for this book. Like when you go to a bookstore and you look in the music section, of course there's the biographies and things like that. But there's also those books like, you know, the top, you know, 300 Beatles songs or whatever. Kind of like what Andy does with his 101 books. There's a place for these. You know, these are great coffee table books that people can just pick up and go, oh, yeah, I, I do like that song, you know, given to me or whatever, and I want to learn a bit more about that. So I, I, I'm i assuming that the book is all going to, because it's about every song, I'm assuming it's like a glossary. Uh, I don't know if it's yep. going to be chronological or I, I'm hoping it's by letter because um, Michael has just so many songs that you could literally fill a whole book with, you know, every song by letter. So, um, yeah, I hope it's like that. I think, yeah, it'll be good. Good to pick up and read here and there, you know, without one, being committed to reading it all start to finish, you know. We might. We should even get a copy to have when we're recording the show. If a song comes up, we can flip it open and bam. There's another um, book like that, isn't there? Chris um, Chris Cadman. I think his Maestro Maestro book is organized yes. like that, A to Z. Yes. Yeah, I think so. It's like an encyclopedia that you pick it up and you learn about the details of the tracks. He was the first. He was the first that did that. Yeah, the granddaddy cool. of MJ authors. <laughs> all right, what next? Should we just skip to the Vincent Patterson one as well? Keep all the book stuff together? Yeah, well, Vincent there's two Patterson's, more. Yeah, two? Mm-hmm. We've got a controversial one? one too. Oh, okay. Okay, mm. you, you do – I'll do the Vincent one. Vincent yeah. Patterson's – oh, my God, still one of my absolute favorite episodes and guests. Just such – an incredible storyteller, the detail and the passion when we had Vincent Patterson on the show talking about the filming of the black or white film clip and then the MTV 10 performance. Oh, my God. Just love that episode. Such a great guy. Super busy, so we haven't approached him about coming back yet, but we certainly will. But he has in France his autobiography, It's now available in French, and (laughs) the English version is coming soon. What's the book called? How do you know that? What's the the French title? Oh, I was going to save that for you. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt it, but I think the English translation must be Icons and Instincts, I'm guessing. Oh, I love that title. That sounds Mm. amazing, actually. Yes. Yeah, it should be good. Um, I don't know the reason that it came out in France first. Maybe he was just able to secure a publisher there uh, a little bit more easily. But um, I'm very jealous of all the French MJ fans who now get to read that. But I've heard good things. How could it not be good? It's Vincent. (laughs) How could it not be good? Absolutely. So we've got a link for the French release of the book in our show notes yeah. Everything we talk about is linked in our show notes. Every song that we play 
is linked in the show notes. So if you're listening somewhere and you go, what is this awesome mix or what is this incredible arrangement or who is singing this amazing tribute, go to the show notes and you can click on it and get it from the place we got it, which is generally YouTube or SoundCloud. But um, yeah, the link to all of these books and including this Vincent Patterson Icons and Instincts book will be in the show notes. But that, I cannot wait for the English translation. That will be, bam, straight on my my list of book purchases for sure. For sure. Tick. All right. And you had another thing. Uh, yes. There is another project coming out connected to a book. Um, after Michael passed away, one of his quote-unquote friends, Frank Cassio, uh, wrote a book called My Friend Michael. Uh, and it's taken a little while, but we know that Frank has been courting a range of production companies to put this out as some kind of film or TV show. But it does appear, and it's only very early days, but it does appear that that book, My Friend Michael, will be moving ahead as a mini series um, in the future, whether it's Netflix or on television or whatever. So brace yourselves, guys. We do have a Casio project now turning into a mini series, which is a bit concerning because, I mean, the book, oh boy, it's really hard to talk about this project because taking away all the controversy and all the lies, if you take all that away and you just look at My Friend Michael as a book itself, as a piece of, you know, writing, literature, whatever, I have read it. And I will say, this will be controversial, but I will say that it's actually really well written. <laughs> like the way that it's written puts you in the moment. If the moments are true, I don't know, but it puts you in the moment and it's actually really, 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 really well written. Um, so Whether it's fiction or not, yeah. because Lord knows they are not trustworthy. I mean, They've there's bits in that. there. There's bits in there where he's talking about smoking weed with Michael and <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm not even going to make a judgment on whether it's true or not. But, I mean, he, I mean, he talks in there about his brother recording songs with Michael. So, I mean, even just that itself, like, because that's in there, it throws everything else into, you know, a, a, a light where we don't know if we can trust it. Um, the other problem I have is, Q, you know, and I don't know, I think we might have a slight just a, a different opinion on this, but I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of seeing Michael portrayed by other actors. I'm just not. So I'm not even looking forward to this in general because I don't like seeing impersonators or actors play Michael. So, yeah, it's going ahead. Well, I probably won't watch it or It's not necessary, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway. It's not necessary. I think also we need to address – I think also maybe we need to just to put into perspective the type of people this family is, is what they try and sell of Michael's. So, you know, I think a few more details about that than me, but I think it says a lot about the character of person, not only with their obvious history of the Casio tracks that is going to get addressed later in the show, big update there. Oh my Lord. Um, But the type of person that, We'll go, well, Michael gave us this stuff. Let's sell it all. Let's go to how many auction houses can we go to to sell this stuff? I think that says a lot about people and you should definitely consider that. And, yeah, that's all I'll say. 
they're not they're not just selling like you know Michael left a jacket here when he stayed with us. We're selling this iconic jacket. It's not that. There, if you go to like um, gotta have rock and roll dot com, which is I think is an auction house that Frank uses. They sell things like personal medical things, like X rays of Michael's body if he went to the doctor one day and just really weird you know he tried to auction off the original Casio track recordings the you know the fake songs he tried to auction them off all the leaked ones for like some ridiculous amount of money these guys are just Which he'd already sold he'd already sold them to Sony well he's how can he sell it, it again yeah, yeah well yeah 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 it's you can't trust him at all and this this movie, who knows how much of it is going to be true, and I'm not looking forward to it. Anyway.
This is Tito Jackson, and it's Tito time. And thanks for listening to the MJ cast. That was the remixed by Nick Redux of State of Shock. I think that's his second version of State of Shock. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know, but if there yes. was another, there was another State of Shock mix that we played. I'm sure it was Nick. He does so many tracks. That was actually the State of Shock vinyl was my first ever Michael Jackson vinyl. I really? got it at a garage sale. Yeah, I got it at a garage sale when I was young, like a teenager. So I was a new fan and I think it's the mini version, not like a 12 inch. It's like the small size vinyl. Oh, seven inch or whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Netflix news on Netflix. They have got a Quincy Jones documentary for that's not far away. September one release September 21. That's pretty soon. That's pretty cool. So this is a career-spanning documentary on the uh, huge influence across music, Quincy Jones. I saw the trailer this morning. No Michael featured. Interesting. Mm. Maybe their relationship because they had that – they weren't paying him royalties or whatever. Maybe it was quite strained. I'm not sure, but not featured. But – his career spans so much and for so long that they wouldn't have been able to fit other things in as well. So it wasn't the only thing that wasn't featured. But interesting because I think people need to remember that Quincy Jones's career, only a little bit of it is related to Michael, just a little. His career is so huge. The same as Michael's career, only a little bit of it is related to Quincy Jones. So, but it looks interesting. And I think there'll be some Michael stuff explored in this documentary for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we know that there will be for a fact because um, there was uh, either images or footage uh, in the last couple of weeks have come out of Michael Jackson luminaries in the studio working with Quincy Jones in the music studio. So there's Greg Fillengaines and, and friend of the show, Jonathan uh, Sugarfoot Moffat. Uh, they've been in the studio recording, or should I say re-recording, Michael Jackson music for the documentary. So I'm guessing what's going on here is that because of the lawsuit, because of the bad blood between Quincy and Tony and the estate, that Quincy's not allowed to or won't use some music in, in, in the documentary. I don't know, uh, because maybe he he feels like if I put that in there, I'm not going to get paid anyway, or I, I don't know the reason. So he's gone into the studio with these guys and, and re-recorded or recorded some, some Michael Jackson songs together, I guess, to use in the documentary. So Or maybe, maybe they were just shooting video in there. I'm not sure. We'll see when it comes out. But uh, it definitely will feature some kind of Michael stuff, and I'm curious to Hopefully. see what it's going to be. Yeah. Well, we know they filmed it, whether it got into the finished product I guess we'll have to wait and see. We'll see. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, Quincy was in the news last year uh, for some for some saying some things about Michael or whatever. I think it's time that, you know, I, I see on Twitter all the time now, it has absolutely blown my mind how, you know, yes, he did say some things that were off base. Absolutely. He apologized for saying those things publicly, but... Mm, he didn't he, really say sorry. He just said, I regret saying them. Yeah, okay. Maybe apology is um, a bit, you know, 
stronger word there, but I don't know. The, the level of hate this guy seems to get still is, I don't know, a little bit out of kilter to the work. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I prefer to remember him and think of him as the great collaborator of Michael that he was in the 80s and the late 70s. So that's what I focus well, on. Right. Some Michael fans, they just love to make a villain out of anyone, so they will paint that person with the tar brush for life. Yeah, yeah. All and right, anyway. good news. I have, I have a good news story. Yeah. Jacksonville students are to benefit from a 1984 donation from Michael Jackson for scholarships. I love this story. I don't know if – so he, this would have been like Victory Tour, I'm guessing. No? Yeah, definitely. What? Yeah. Yeah, 1984 Victory Tour. And when he was in Jacksonville, he donated $100,000 – for scholarships, it's been sitting somewhere, gathering interest. Not as much as I would have expected, actually. Yeah, yeah um, it mustn't have been but, a high interest earning account. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but it's about a what one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars now. Yeah, that they can use towards students to further their education in music related education. Love this. Love, 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 love. Very cool. This is an awesome example of Michael's legacy still today. Michael's actual actions in his career positively influencing youth today. Direct positive action. It's very cool. Uh, when we, If we hear more about this story, about um, when the city plans to start handing out scholarship dollars, we will update you. But the city says it can use an anticipated $5,500 of projected interest in the fiscal year for scholarships, which the Kids Hope Alliance will administer. Very cool. I was very excited to come across that story. Yep. Always love a good news story. Yeah. Very positive. Sweet. Heartwarming. When did you want to do Yannicka's segment? Well, there has been some Jackson stuff happening, so why don't we listen to Yannicka now? Hey there, this is Yannicka from Jackson Source. I wanted to talk to you about uh, Treaty's recent gig in Paris. Uh, I, I traveled over there and uh, I was fortunate to meet the guys and attend the soundcheck and attend the meet and greet. They met a lot of fans there, about 75, 80, and they took a lot of time to talk to their fans and interact and take photos. And they they also paid for it, so they deserve that, obviously. But that was a good thing, and a lot of people showed up. But even better, of course, was the show. I mean, the guys only performed like once a year over the past few years, and this was the second or the third time with a live band in recent years. Uh, and they hadn't performed with a live band in two years, so everybody was, I think, very excited to see what was going on uh, and to see what set list they came up with. But the guys, they just killed it. They nailed it. The roof went off. Uh, it was a small theater in Paris, uh, about 1,400 people. It was sold out. Uh, and fans were screaming from the first until the last minute. The crowd was loud, super supportive. I think even overwhelming the guys. Uh, it was like all of us were 16 or 17 again. I think vibe-wise, energy-wise, and set list. 
uh, wise, this was a uh, a type of show that that all of their fans have been longing for to see and, and to see and experience for for so long, for so so long, and even the guys to feel all that love in in such an overwhelming way. Again, it was just great. Even with Francis was in the audience, so was Lexi and her girlfriend. Uh, Lexi is TJ's stepdaughter. Uh, Brianna was there with uh, Bryce and Adrian, so it was good for the T's to have their family there. It was actually the first time for Bryce and Adrian to see what Daddy does, so it was amazing. I think you can tell from from my voice that the excitement, the the level of excitement is just high. But what I especially liked was um, not only for them to perform the hits, but I think Terrell... He made some really cool mixes for the beginning of the show. So it was like Gotta Be You versus, um, I think, Jam. Uh, and then Sex Appeal versus Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Uh, and Party Tonight versus Give Me All Your Lovin', which is actually a 3-3 track. But it sounded incredible. It was especially the 10, first 10, 15 minutes. It was really up-tempo, really strong opening of the show. And everybody went just nuts. And then obviously... I think there may be clips online. I think even I posted when the guys did Why. Terrell didn't even have to sing at the ending of the song. The crowd totally took over and the guys were just standing there for maybe two or three minutes like, wow, is this really happening? And the the crowd was loud. Uh, And obviously for anything and I Need You, those have always been special to the fans. And it's it sounded incredible. The boys did incredible. Uh, and And in my opinion, they're... Uh, especially when you look at other artists performing Jackson songs, I I, I personally am not a fan of that. If I don't favor that, but to see Three T doing songs like Human Nature or Don't Stop Till You Get Enough or Shake Your Body, it's just that's totally okay to me, and I really enjoy seeing them perform those songs because that to me is keeping the Jacksons' legacy alive. They're totally entitled to do this, and they do it well. So. That was a great gig in Paris. I think everybody who was there enjoyed it. And the good news for European fans is that the guys are coming back uh, in December for four more shows with the live band. Uh, the first shows announced are are Paris, Brussels, Belgium, and then two more shows in France in uh, Marseille and Bordeaux. So, yeah, if you happen to be around or in Europe, it's I would definitely recommend that you that you go and see Three T while you can. And I hope for other fans in other parts of the world that they that the success will continue on, so they can tour in other places too. I also wanted to talk about um, the music of Three T Magazine. Uh, that is a publication I did a couple of years ago, and I've been I've been publishing updated versions of it, and now I uh, gave. 3T copies of the latest version, which includes um, their recent releases of um, Fire and Chapter 3 in France, as well as Terrell's single No Limit and Starting starting All Over, or um, Started All Over Again, I think it's titled. But uh, that's 104 pages, which covers all the releases of 3T over all the years, like all the catalog numbers and, and countries and uh, whatever they did release-wise, uh, like official releases is in that book. Uh, its format is A4. It includes loads of pictures and, and again, all the releases of 3T of over more than 25 years. I think if you look at jacksonsource.com and then in between Jackson and Source, there's a, I don't even know the word, it's, it's a bracket or a space or something. Just go to the website and you'll find the link to uh, to purchase your copy. It's a printing on demand. 
publication and there's there's no commercial gain and and there's no profits being made it's just for fans if you like to have it you can uh so check that out if you're uh, if you really like treaty oh and one memorable show of uh, the brothers of the jacksons uh this summer i think is the show they did in uh, california on august 24th the brothers decided to do uh, a tribute to joe and Catherine basically as well. Uh, Catherine was in the audience and so was Jafar, Your Majesty, um, Jermaine Jr., Autumn, uh, Rebe, uh, and even uh, Jermaine Jr.'s son Sultan and his, uh, his, his partner Asa. So it was the first time for, for baby Sultan to see his grandfather and great grand uncles perform. So I think that's cool. But uh, special about the show was the, the brothers performing a tribute um, and Jermaine addressed Catherine in the audience uh, and said a few words to her of comfort and support uh, and they decided to do the song You Are Not Alone and during the song there was a video on the screen that showed all kind of pictures of Yo- Joe with family members over all the years to to get the message across that you are not alone so I think that was beautiful for the brothers to do that and Catherine really enjoyed it and said it was beautiful so I think that was a a remarkable show of the brothers for this summer. There we go. That's our Jackson family correspondent, Yannicka of Jackson Source. It was so good to hear about 3T tearing it up again in France at their recent shows. And uh, now we are going to talk about a new article in Vogue magazine about Michael Jackson as a fashion icon. Q, you found this this, uh, article, didn't you? Oh, my God, it's so good. Such a good article. Marking what would have been Michael Jackson's 60th birthday back on August 29, Vogue in Britain, the fashion critic and lifelong superfan Anders Christian Madsen speaks to Michael's final stylist, really, uh, Rushka Bergman, and speaks to her and reflects on Michael as an other worldly style icon which he certainly was it's a great article so they interview uh rushka they talk also using quotes from interviews and books like people like the snake michael bush um and other people that worked with michael styling him over the years and and gave examples of other fashion stylists that have worked with michael like i didn't know that for the Give In To Me uh, film clip, which I love so much because I love that song, that he worked with a stylist for that look because it's such sort of a casual... Dressed um, down. Yeah, but like it's a rock and roll thing. So he worked with uh, Venetia Scott. That's who styled him for that video. And then for the Scream video, he was styled by David Bradshaw. Yeah. So it's a really cool little article great insight into some of Michael's inspirations for his style and his fashion gives some amazing uh, quotes from Michael uh, in the past and some really terrific insight into his evolving look. Like I know that fans out there, some of them really stand for the mature age Mike and he had a very different sort of style then compared to back in the 80s when he was purely only seen in like the military jackets and things like that. So it's really cool to hear from Miss Bergman 
you know, talk and, and how she viewed him. Like I have a quote here. Michael was a perfectionist. He knew exactly what he liked and didn't like Bergman tells me since he was the king of pop, he needed the best people in the world working for him. And he was very specific as to whom he was always the conductor at the same time. He was a great father and a true humanitarian. His heart was bigger than the planet even bigger than the galaxy. His gentle and spiritual nature made him one of those greatest people ever to walk the earth. I love that. Yeah, she's great. I really enjoyed her um, photographs as well in this piece. There's some, uh, definitely some photos I'd never seen before. The one of her standing with Michael where he's wearing a custom John Galliano waistcoat. That is a Oh yeah, I hadn't shot. seen that. Yeah, yeah, that's something I had never seen. I think that really the last few years of Michael's life are very underrated in terms of his fashion choices with those great Balmain sort of jackets that he was wearing at that time. And the thing I like about this article is it puts all a lot of his choices into um, you know one sort of narrative around like what he used to wear you know in the 80s and 90s and then what he was really getting into. And it's it's a great read. I recommend it. Before I move on, just going to say I do not love that pagoda-shouldered Balmain jacket at uh, all. The one that's got the, one, the two lapels. Big points. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The huge points up past his – oh, my God. I hate that. It makes him not look well. Well, he wasn't super well at that point anyway. But, yeah, I just think the shoulder things, no, not a great look. I like the other one, the – uh, gold Givenchy jacket by Ricardo Tisky, Tissi, but the black and silver Balmain one by Christopher DeCarnan. No, don't love it. Don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, to each their own. All good. Yep. So um, let's move ahead in the news. That was a great article, Q. Thanks for putting that in there. You're welcome. That's okay. We've had some big developments in the past few weeks around the Casio case, haven't we? So uh, I guess a good starting point with it would be the uh, recent developments in Vera Sarova's uh, court case that she's brought against Angelixson and Sony. Um, but who better than to, to sum up what's gone on there than our legal correspondent, award-winning journalist, Charlie Thompson. Let's listen to what Charlie has to say about those updates. A fan who filed a class action lawsuit over the inclusion of three allegedly fake songs on a posthumous Michael Jackson album has indicated she's taking her case to the Supreme Court. Vera Sarova and her many supporters were dealt a crushing blow last month when the Court of Appeal removed Sony and the Michael Jackson estate as defendants in her lawsuit. The court issued a bizarre ruling that companies were legally entitled to misrepresent fake artworks as genuine as long as there was an ongoing debate about the legitimacy of those artworks. Works. Fan Vera Sarova has fought a years-long legal battle over the inclusion of three songs known as the Casio tracks on the 2010 album Michael. The songs Breaking News, Monster and Keep Your Head Up were included on the album even though a host of Michael Jackson's relatives, friends and musical collaborators, including one of the two executives of his estate, believed they were fake. 
In 2014, Sarova filed a lawsuit against Sony, estate executor John Branca, and the estate's company, MJJ Productions, as well as the producers of the tracks, Eddie Cassio, James Port, and their company, Angelixson Productions. Since then, the defendants have filed motion after motion, sending the case down numerous legal cul-de-sacs in an effort to stop it from coming to trial. In 2016, Sony and the Jackson estate claimed Sarova's lawsuit was a slap case, or a strategic lawsuit against public participation. In other words, they claimed that there had been an ongoing public debate about whether or not the songs were real, meaning that the company's assertions that the songs were real were part of a public interest debate and therefore were protected by the American Constitution's right to freedom of speech. Sarova countered that the claims actually amounted to false advertising, meaning the legal argument hinged on whether or not the statements in question, namely a claim on the album cover that Jackson sang the songs and a similar claim in a video advert promoting the album, amounted to commercial speech. Sarova said they did, the corporations said they didn't. The corporations said they were so confident in their argument that the claims did not amount to commercial speech and were therefore not legally actionable that they were prepared to stipulate that the songs were fake. As far as they were concerned, whether the songs were real or fake was an irrelevance. As their lawyer Zia Modaba put it in court in December 2016, quote, If we ripped people off and it's a non-commercial speech, they lose under the statutes. That is just the law. His co-counsel Andrew Demko clarified at the same hearing, We are submitting now it may have turned out not to be Michael Jackson, but there is no stipulation that at the time that we made the statements, we knew. After that December 2016 hearing, the presiding judge, and Jones, ruled in Vera Sarova's favour. The statements clearly were commercial speech. With that issue settled, she said the case could now proceed to trial. But Sony and the estate decided to fight, and took their case over the slap issue to the Court of Appeal, where, on August 21st this year, both sides lawyers appeared to argue their case before a panel of three judges. Seven days later, the judges handed down their decision, overturning Judge Ann Jones's ruling and finding that Sony and the estate were, in fact, legally entitled to release fake songs under Michael Jackson's name. A week later, journalist and fan Damien Shields obtained and published the results of a pioneering investigation Sarova had commissioned from an FBI forensic audiologist. Dr. George Papkun's investigation found that the vocalist on the Casio tracks sang in the wrong accent and dialect, his falsetto did not match Michael Jackson's, and he even pronounced Jackson's own name incorrectly. Papkun's expert opinion was that Jackson was not the vocalist, and the true singer was likely from somewhere nearer Brooklyn, New York. On September 13th, Vera Sarova announced on Facebook she had filed for permission to have her case reheard by the Court of Appeal, but she had been refused. She told her supporters, wish me luck at the Supreme Court. All right, there we go. That was good hearing from Charlie and also, I guess, very disappointing, isn't it, Q, when that news broke on the day that that the uh, appeal had been concluded and the judge had ruled or the, the judges or whoever made the decisions ruled in Sony's favor. How did how did you feel that morning? That was Michael's birthday when we got that news. Uh, uh, so that was shit. That was yes. the worst way to start the day other than me being in a hotel, not able to do what I wanted for Michael's birthday and not really being with my friends and stuff. Yeah, that was a shit way to start the day, but I made the conscious decision not to let it ruin my day. Thankfully, I didn't really have time to be on social media anyway, which was probably a good thing. But yeah, not a great start to the day and just, oh my God, infuriating. Just so infuriating. But the truth will come out. The truth will come out. And I think that people will still judge Sony 
the court might not, but the people sure still will. And I think yeah. that's valid. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know where it will go from here. I mean, the thing is that there is a chance now for Vera Sarova to, to appeal that decision, and we'll see what goes on there, uh, whether her lawyers will continue to work with her now that Sony's not on the scene might be another thing, I'm not sure, but I guess the people to look out for to keep up to date with this news would, of course, be our legal correspondent, Charlie Thompson, and then how could we forget as well, friend of the show, Damien Shields, who is now um, funneling his years of research um, on this topic into a podcast. We've already had the trailer for Faking Michael come out. Um, He's made the decision to put a lot of of this research into a podcast for everybody to enjoy for free in an audio format. Um, So keep an eye on that because that's where we're going to find out a lot of these big discoveries that took place that ended up as evidence in um, Vera's case. Vera's case isn't over, Angelicson's still on the scene as a defendant, so I'm a bit curious how that's going to go with Damien revealing a lot of this sort of evidence in his um, podcast uh, prior to or during the court case, if it still happens, but we'll see. Did you want to play the little trailer? Because this is like, this is not like our podcast. This is not a discussion podcast. It's not like the Janet Today podcast, who we're going to be hearing from later, and trust me, you're going to love it such a great discussion but this is like a crime documentary podcast isn't it yeah yeah so there's a lot of lot of um great crime podcasts out there that a few of them that i listen to um i i listen to one called case file which is awesome it's got original scoring underneath and narrator um discussing investigative investigative findings so very much like that except even more complex because damien's going to be drawing on lots of source material from the time, um, original interviews, and then his own narration. I've heard the first episode. It is fantastic. But yes, this is the trailer. Let's have a listen, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Also making news is the controversy surrounding the release of a new Michael Jackson album titled Michael. It's the pop icon singing on every track. Catherine Jackson and some of Michael Jackson's children listened to that album recently and did not believe the voice on the tracks belonged to the King of Pop. Producer Eddie Cassio says Michael recorded some of the songs on the new album in Cassio's home studio. He tells Oprah the vocals on it are Michael's voice. What can you tell us about that? I can tell you that it is Michael's voice. Everybody in a piece of Michael Jackson. That's Michael Jackson. But diehard fans aren't buying what Cassio has to say. A lot of controversy about this song, and I don't think it's him. I, I really don't. It's a total sham. I mean, it's definitely not Michael Jackson, I guarantee you. I'm flabbergasted. I never thought they'd actually do something like this. I'm 100% certain that's not MJ's voice. They can't bullshit me, man. That, that's not Michael's voice. His family members believe it. I believe it. I know it. I know it's true. This song is fake. The record company are saying that it is indeed Sony's Epic Records guarantees the album's authenticity, telling ABC News, we have complete confidence in the results of our extensive research. I was asked by the estate if I could come to the studio and I could offer an opinion. As an audio engineer, I said there are too many audio dead ends for them to be telling the truth. It sounds like him, but there's no guarantee. Sony Music and the Jackson estate have stipulated in legal arguments that the songs may not be real after all. A civil suit filed four years ago alleges songs from the 2010 album were sung by an imposter. But the companies argue they should still be allowed to sell them under Jackson's name, claiming freedom of speech includes the freedom to describe fake art as genuine. 
And so you start adding up all those things, and at some point, the cat's going to come out of the bag. Faking Michael, an investigative podcast, coming soon. Okay, I think that will get you excited. So search for Faking Michael on your podcast app right now. And if that trailer hasn't whet your appetite, I don't know what will. Subscribe, hit subscribe, add that to your Michael Jackson, Jackson Family podcast roster. And hopefully soon we can hear something. I think Damien is about to find out about the world of podcasting and the amount of work that goes into that. It would be like me and you deciding to write a book we you know he's 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 a great author and his project started off as a book project and now it's turned into a podcast series i think it would be like me and you going let's write a book oh my god how much work is there he's he's finding out the amount of work and that's amazing that he's going to jump into this and it will be well worth educating and sharing for sure as well as our show don't forget stay tuned to our show so well done, Damien. We look forward to the first episode soon. Yep. Well, I think it's a great time for a music break. How about a unreleased, amazing new Michael Jackson song, Jamin? Would that blow your mind? Sure. Yeah, this song is called Take Me Away, and it is made up of Michael Jackson vocals, and it's really weird. This is not something that you would expect but i thought what well, i've been holding on to this track for years jamin wanting to play i think today is the perfect opportunity it is a song called take me away it is made up of michael jackson vocal snippets from other songs so this is not a casio situation where it is actually not someone uh, it is not michael jackson himself this actually is michael jackson singing but this is not a Michael Jackson song. It is like a Frankensteinian piece. And I've got to say, I really like it. I've loved this song for years. I know it's not a real Michael Jackson song, but it has got something that I really love. So I'll let you tell me if you like it or not after the break. Here we are, Take Me Away, featuring Michael Jackson.
Brian Loren, songwriter, producer for Michael Jackson, and you're listening to Jamin and Q on the MJ cast. All right, that was Take Me Away featuring Michael Jackson. Um, Your favorite song ever. That's probably, <laughs> that's, I would have to say that's the least favorite song we've played on the show. Um, and probably. It would be in the running for one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. Sorry, Q. I want to scrape my ears off with sandpaper when that plays. <laughs> Pretty sure Sorry. you will you will not be alone sitting on that bench. There will be yeah. a big crowd. But I thought what better song to play after all that Casio drama. Well, I, I respect you and I love you, Q, and we'll leave that in the show. But uh, I got to say that's... Uh... <laughs> Oh yeah. boy, I, I, it won't I, I'm be, concerned it won't be about our ratings for this episode. It, it won't be winning the music poll. Stay tuned. We got an awesome other song coming up later. Yes, yes. Okay, moving on. Um, so there's been some news with uh, the estate and Sony and Thriller and all the different official things. Um, let's talk about those things. So I'm understanding that coming soon, Thriller 3D will be playing in IMAX theaters for a one-week limited run in the United States. Is that true? Yes. I do not have time <laughs> for another Q rant. I am so pissed off, for fuck's sake. Oh, God's sake. Yeah, US only. So far, <laughs> I've heard not happening in uh, Sweden, Australia. We had confirmation of Hoyts, who have the IMAX, mini sort of IMAX cinemas in some locations brazil maybe we heard guys just ask on social media your cinema chains that have the imax branded cinemas in them if they will be featuring this but at this stage apparently it's the us only great job people great job in the estate well done again bloody idiots it makes uh my decision making process easier because <laughs> i wasn't you know, I'm not going to go to it anyway, but I won't get into why, but I'm not going to go. So for me, it's a little bit simpler now. I can't even go. But, you know, looking back at the situation, whether you, you know, support 
Sony or you don't support Sony, whatever, I think we could all agree that we want them to do as good a job as they can when they do decide to do things for Michael. So for them to only play this to US audiences is ridiculous. Uh, this is an iconic movie. Uh, one of my, It is the, the centerpiece of Michael's visual artistic legacy and it should be everywhere and they you know by all accounts they did a fantastic job at restoring this film and for it only to be domestically in the u.s is is a little bit gutting i've seen you know the trailer was cool i watched the trailer i was a bit um sort of confused by a couple of things and i'm no film expert so i can't really you know say what's you know normal or not but i have noticed a color difference like if you look at the you know, putting aside the quality of the, it looks phenomenal in terms of the detail. But I, I was sort of looking at it side by side yesterday with the original filler video on YouTube, and then um, this version. It seems a little like it's got different color grading. Have you noticed that, Q? It lo- like the actual color looks different. I only noticed in like a comparison picture, really, that it's just everything is brighter. Yeah, but. I still want to see it. I still think they should put it out on Blu-ray yes. and then on digital digital Netflix. purchase, Netflix, something. like. Seriously. It'd go crazy on Netflix, Ugh. you know, because it's only 15 seriously. minutes long. So everyone Well, no, they need to put it, it out. They also restored the making of. They need to do it oh, all in a package. That. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, sorry there's not more news than that. Guys, if you're in the US, if you do choose to go, enjoy it. Yeah. Done. Cool. Um, so then in more official news, the estate um, sprung back to life and did a thing in Vegas. They called it the Diamond Celebration. Um, so that included a performance from the one people. It included a concert, a full stage concert. Usher performed. Uh, it included an official Q&A with John Branker, uh, of, you know, the co-executor of the MJ That's estate. A- loosely used term q and a yeah yeah it wasn't really a q and a was it it was a whatever come and listen to me say things that i want to say so anyway we uh, we had friend of the show serena went along to the diamond celebration in vegas and has an audio roundup for us now of her experiences let's listen to serena Before I get started, let me introduce myself to those who don't know me. I'm Serena Butler. I am a lifelong Michael Jackson fan living here in Las Vegas. Uh, Some of you may recognize me from in the studio with MJ, the Los Angeles edition where I was checking people in this year. For those unaware, the Michael Jackson Diamond Celebration was an event held at the Mandalay Bay here in Las Vegas, Nevada, in order to celebrate Michael Jackson's 60th birthday. For this year's event, the very special Diamond Celebration in Las Vegas, as quoted by the estate, has decided to honor Michael's well-known desire to help disadvantaged people around the world, especially children, by welcoming the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation to the event. We will then join forces to support the Gaia Elizabeth Taylor Mobile Health Clinic, which brings accessible and free health care to those living in rural Malawi. It was really never made clear to why the estate and the Liz Taylor Foundation teamed up. Uh, Attending the event, there were no signs. There were no, there was really no clear messaging that there was a charitable event attached to this. Only if you spent the, I believe it was something about $1,500 to eat dinner with Paris at the boiler room, 
other than that, the only message that was carried from the Liz Taylor Foundation was given in a speech by Paris and Prince at the end of the night. I'll be the first to admit that I was hesitant before I purchased tickets. I don't enjoy involving myself in any of the estate's activities. I don't really want to give them any money. It's it was it was a difficult choice for me to make. Uh, once I saw that the family was going, uh, that I had friends from out of town coming in, I was still even a little hesitant. But then I saw that there was the Q&A with John Branca. So that's when I got in contact with the guys at MJ Cast, and you may have seen some of the notifications from this. I knew that I had to deliver you guys what he said from his mouth, especially after the ruling that occurred just the day prior. It was Michael's birthday, so I didn't really want to have to uh, be too serious. So I tried my best to enjoy the day's events, which started with the meet and greet at 2 p.m. Unfortunately, it was running behind schedule and... Post uh, October 1, which was the shooting that occurred last year with uh, 58 victims, security is a, still a very touchy subject when walking around the strip. So once you went in, you had to first show them your ticket and you were uh, searched. Your bags were searched probably more thorough than any TSA inspection that you have ever obtained. This was probably a first time that I've actually seen this, even attending concerts on the Strip very frequently. Uh, I had to open every pocket of my bag. Uh, they asked me what I had in there, and then they let me through. Uh, inside the lobby was the, as I said, was the meet and greet. Uh at the meet and greet, there was a whole cast of characters. Uh, Branca, uh, Michael Bush, the guys from MJ1, the some of the more popular dancers from the show. Um, and I noticed Greg Fellingdance. And from a personal side note, my favorite song, I'll admit, of all time growing up was Greg Fillingane's version of Behind the Mask. And it was an honor to be able to meet the man who created a song that really defined my childhood. Even though Michael wrote it, his version was the first that I ever heard. And, you know, it was it was truly a very special moment for me that I'll never forget. Even though I enjoyed meeting Greg Fillingane's, uh, he's probably one of the nicest guys on the planet and definitely needs to be on the MJ cast. Come on, Greg. Come on. Um, the meet and greet could have used a lot of work. Uh, the guests were moving around quite frequently, so it was very hard to gauge who all was at the meet and greet. Uh, I only let you knew who I could definitively name. Uh, they were all just crowded around. You know, you could have just used some tables and some good queuing techniques. But by the time I got in there... It was already time for the uh, Michael Bush meet and greet and the John Branca Q&A. 
So 3 p.m. rolls around. Of course, I'm going to skip the Michael Bush uh, meet and greet for obvious reasons. We'll keep that out of this discussion. So I march my way up to the RX boiler room, which is upstairs or around the corner and upstairs from the MJ1 lobby for the meet and greet. I was surprised to see that uh, there were free drinks. Uh, It's a very rare thing to occur in Las Vegas. Uh, So, of course, I grabbed a drink because, oh, great, I'm going to have to be sitting through a John Branca Q&A session that we are pretty sure is going to be falsified for the next hour. Um, So many of you now know that I went there with the purpose to see if he would respond to our mass flooding of the question regarding the three tracks on the air quote Michael album. Of course, to nobody's surprise, he did not respond to that question, only referencing it in a I would not release controversial material statement towards the end. Um, During the Q&A, I would probably say that there may have been at most 45 people in the room. Uh, They checked IDs before we came in, but there was really no uh, issue with anyone recording anything. So I got to the front of the room and I did what I could to get the audio and get it to the guys at MJ cast as quick as I could. Beyond that, um, for the Q&A, I have never had any face-to-face interaction with John Branca prior to that. I have my own personal opinions of what he has done. His body language and just the way he responded just felt pompous. It reminded me of some family members that I do not have a great relationship with. Uh, I was admittedly turned off. I I don't know really how I stayed quiet. I was thankful for my friends who were standing next to me. Um, he's just in person. It's it's hard to describe. It's like seeing somebody. He tries to act like he's a savior, but he knows what he's doing. And it just felt wrong being in that same room. After that was probably about a one hour break before the red carpet started. Um, The red carpet was situated in front of the sports book, which is across from the MJ1 shop. Uh, So there was probably about maybe a 40 foot red carpet that was then surrounded, unfortunately, by curtains. So on either end of the red carpet, people could stand Uh, namely the general public, but you could not get a clear view until they walked off the red carpet. Uh, The red carpet gave the fans a chance, though, to see exactly who was attending the celebration, which included, of course, the family, uh, Kenny Ortega, Giuseppe Zanotti, which he did, in fact, show off those shoes that are being auctioned. And I'll admit, in person, they were shinier than a freshly sequined glove. 
So if anyone wants to start a Kickstarter for me, you know where to find me. Um, other than that, uh, it, we probably only had maybe 45 minutes at the red carpet before the seven o'clock showing of the show. So many of us had to get out of this crowded area between the sports book and the MJ1 shop that was probably about a good 300 people deep in order to get in line to attend the show. So yes, I did attend uh, MJ1 for what was the third time, but the first time I actually paid myself. Um, again, I will be honest and say that I personally believe that MJ1 is one of the best things that the estate could have done. It brings a family-friendly entertainment to the Las Vegas Strip, which is not known for family friendly accessories, introduces Michael to a whole new generation. It doesn't really matter what you truly think of the estate, but the goal in mind was to pass MJ to a new generation. And personally, I think it was well done, minus a few personal touches. But other than that, you know, I give MJ one my full local seal of approval. All right, then once the show got out, it was off to the after party at the Daylight Club. For those who have been to Mandalay Bay before, uh, the Daylight Club is quite the hall from the MJ1 theater. Uh, if you know exactly where the uh, Shark Reef is within Mandalay Bay, that's about where the Daylight Club is. When I actually did get inside, uh, the music was blasting. Michael videos were playing everywhere. And inside the middle of this shallow waiting pool was a DJ booth where Mark Ronson was spinning live. Now, I do get that some people are unhappy with his mix that was released prior to the birthday, but there was something different. There wasn't really a direct mix like it it was nothing like what was released. Uh, he was doing some live mixing. He added some Janet, some Reby, uh, J5 material. And appropriately, if I may add, he added a little bit of Aretha in order to give a proper tribute to another legend, which was well done. Well done. The only downside about the party is they did say that they would be selling food. Um, I myself am a snacking machine, admittedly, and I did not see any food for sale. Only beer was for sale. And if you tried to get water from the bar, it was actually the same price as beer. But that is typical for Las Vegas. So that's just another thing you just got to put up with when you go out. Hosting the event was MTV's Sway Calloway, who would actually come out and introduce different guests. Uh, his, his presence after the kids' speech was actually quite limited until later on in the night where our guest performer would arrive. Now you might be wondering, who in the world would the estate bring to celebrate Michael's 60th birthday? I mean, their track record's not that great. Uh, 
for for me, I had maybe a couple of ideas, but then I started to hear little rumors circling through the crowd. Usher's coming. Usher's coming. Usher's coming. I'm like, Usher's going to be here? Next thing you know, Sway comes out. It's Usher. He gives us a full-fledged 45 to 90-minute performance. All his hits. He even touched on my way for a uh, 90s kid like myself. Having him do a little bit of my way. Man, it brought me back. Um, I would say that it was overall a properly done show by Usher. He even ended on a dance melody to Michael's music. Then he uh, ended on Wannabe Starting Something, in which he sang with his backup. And it was it was nicely done. I mean, I have no negative, no bones to pick with Usher whatsoever for that. I mean, you want go on, do your thing, because it's completely obvious that Michael influenced him and he's not trying to be Michael. He is incorporating that influence into his own style. And for that, I am grateful. After Usher was done, it was probably about one in the morning. I left with a blister on my foot, but I had a very great time seeing all my friends and just celebrating the man that inspired us uh, for especially all my life. Um... As for the entire day, I'd say that the first half of the day from 2 p.m. to about 4 p.m. were just estate charades, disorganized, just the same old stunts, meet and greets, just it could have been done a lot better. But for me, as a lifelong Michael fan, once you got to the red carpet, to the MJ1 party, uh to MJ1, the whole 5 p.m. afterward was the proper way to celebrate Michael Jackson. If you are not dancing from the MJ1 show, all which started at 7 p.m. all the way to 1 a.m., just don't even talk to me because even this far out, my blisters are still sore and I have absolutely no regrets about it. For a while now, I've had a chance to reminisce about the party. Um, It really wasn't about showcasing his musical legacy, his world legacy. No. Um, If they did anything right, it's showcased the legacy that he left, that he made this world that much smaller. Because without him, there are many of you that I would have never have met that I do would not have the chance today to call my friends. So for that, I am eternally grateful. And if that isn't a legacy, I certainly don't know what is. So the Q&A process, loosely used term, was uh, they said for ticket holders of this event, they could submit questions and the questions with the most requests would be answered in the show. If you head to our YouTube channel, we actually have the full audio of loosely termed Q&A with Branka. And yeah, you'll be able to hear about everything that Serena just told you about in that great wrap up. Thank you, Serena. Yeah, awesome. Um, Cool. So we won't talk too much more about that. I will just jump in and say that 
it's more disappointing behavior. You know, obviously there's a lot of questions fans want to ask these, you know, this executor about the behavior of the estate, but a lot of those things weren't, you know, asked at all. Uh, and hopefully in the future there's, you know, a bit more of an open dialogue where they're willing to listen to problems that we have. But, you know, don't hold your breath. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, positive stuff. Let's move on. So Janet Jackson is in full swing right now with her career. We have had so much Janet, and I want more. Um, from the past few weeks, we've had new music videos, new songs, new performances, and just a little MJ connection in there, which she doesn't often do, but when she does, when she does refer to Michael or reference him in her work, it's usually, um, you know, there's a lot of meaning behind it. And that's certainly the case with this one. Janet has released a bit of a throwback video referencing Michael's Remember the Time. Now, if I, I don't know, if, if we ever get to interview Janet one day and say, Janet, what is your favorite Michael Jackson song? I've got a feeling. I just have this feeling that she would say, Remember the Time. Um, because we have seen her at the club dancing and singing to remember the time. I think there was some video come out of that a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, now there's an after show party or something. Yeah. 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 This what was really this? cute. It was so cute. I loved it. It's just like a really what, two minute long, not even thing not with even this that. YouTube yeah. YouTube celebrity um who had they'd hit it off together somewhere and I think he proposed this idea to Janet. She said, Yes, let's do it. And they just threw it together really quick. And it's just really funny. So Janet is sort of in the role of where Iman was in the Room of the Time video as the uh, queen judging the performances of talent before her. And it's just really cute and funny. And I loved it. Very, very awesome. It is not a Janet Jackson Remember the Time cover. (laughs) Do not go expecting that. It's just a fun little thing. Calm down, people. Yeah. (laughs) Calm down. Sit down I, I literally in the back. have seen people say this is not as good as Michael's Remember the Time. I'm like, oh, God's sake. <laughs> Sit down in the back. <laughs> Lord. All right.
It's a new Janet for the public, but not for myself. Just something that the public hasn't heard before, but yet still a part of me. Hi, this is Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffat, drummer for Michael Jackson and the Jacksons. And you're listening to the MJ cast. All righty, everyone. It is the main event now. This is our main discussion topic for this episode. And like earlier in the introduction to the show, 
we have got some guests on the line from the podcast, Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever. We are joined by Courtney and cousin Cam. Ladies, <laughs> welcome to the MJ cast. Hey, thank, thank you for having us. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having us. Oh, you're most welcome. So I'm cousin Q, and of course you're joined with Jamin. He's not a cousin yet. He's not a cousin yet. He's still. Why am I not? What is that? Why am I not a cousin? Me and Elise have already worked out. We're going to be having cocktails and having a catch up, and we're and Elise already cousins. You yeah. Well, fine. I'll be grandpa Jamin. Application already. So. Grandpa Jamin. That's me. Grandpa. Jamin the grandpa. <laughs> All right. Oh, funny. Courtney, where, where are you ladies calling in from? Courtney? Well, I am calling in from Charlotte, North Carolina. And my cousin is. Very nice. And I'm calling from the Mississippi Gulf Coast, Moss Point, Mississippi. Beautiful. Excellent. I've been to, where's, where's Raleigh? Which Carolina is that in? Is here in North Carolina. Yeah. It's about an hour okay. and a half I've, away. Yeah, I've been there, been there, visited there, caught up with uh, family friends there, and had an incredible steak sandwich. I will always remember that meal. That was so good. <laughs> it was. That's awesome. It was literally that was three years ago, and I still remember that sandwich. It was so oh, that was a good yummy. sandwich. <laughs> Yeah, it really was. I've actually heard him talk about that sandwich a few times on the show now. (laughs) (laughs) If I can find that place again, I will eat there for sure. (laughs) Ladies, tell us about your podcast. It is what we know as the first Janet Jackson podcast. Is that correct? Yeah, as far as we know, it's the first podcast. Yep, we're number one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> number uh, one yeah well welcome to the family thank you for having us it's such a pleasure to join these esteemed podcasts dedicated to jackson family members and we're just delighted to be among like-minded folks who know what's good <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it what's good when when did you guys actually kick things off because there was a few years there q we were talking to janet fans and saying you guys should start something up but um was it, mm-hmm. How long have you been going? Well, we started in, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Cam, I think our first podcast we posted in May. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just a couple months we've been going. Um, and we actually started our podcast, obviously, because we love Janet Jackson. Uh, but we really started because we love talking about Janet Jackson. And we kind of figured after the first leg of the State of the World Tour And we're calling it the first leg now because we know that. But we thought that was the end. Mm. And so we just weren't ready to stop talking about Janet. And we didn't want her to fall out of top of mind for folks who had been so excited about her tour, which had been so successful and so exciting. Mm -hmm. And we just weren't ready to start talk, stop talking about her. We didn't want to let her go. So kind of that's where this came from. Yeah, and then if you combine our love for uh, for music in general, and we've always had little conversations about music, and we just decided to make it into a podcast. 
Absolutely, yeah. Sound, sound familiar, Jamin? Yeah, it kind of does, really, <laughs> kind of like our story. Um, I, I yeah. really like what you said there, Cam, about having, you know, um, a love for music in general because that really comes through in the show, I think. You know, you often, when you're talking about Janet, you connect her to what some other artists are doing and talk about her in comparison, um, even mm-hmm. though there is no comparison, of course. But um, I just <laughs> I I just need to say I love what you guys are doing. I've listened to a few episodes now back to back, and I'm just the whole time I'm listening. It's usually in the car to and from work, and I am just laughing my head off right along with you guys. Uh, just laughing mm-hmm. so much. It's all you guys are hilarious. Your chemistry is awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what we wanted. You know, we wanted people to feel like they were eavesdropping on the conversation with the cousins. And uh, I hope that that comes through in, in our podcast, just the love we have for each other, the love we have for Janet Jackson, the love we have for music in general. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a yeah. lot of love. <laughs> a lot of love. A lot of Jackson love because you're not only fans of Janet, you are also fans of the Jacksons in general and Michael. Yes. Love Michael. Uh, have a crush on 3T still. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm, yes. <laughs> she can get 3T into any conversation. <laughs> and I can get Randy into any conversation too. Oh, Absolutely. okay. Well, I want to talk about Randy. Let's talk about Randy, cousin Cam. <laughs> Let's talk about Randy. So is is Randy the Manny? Yes. <laughs> he is the Manny. The, he needs the, a job and he, he comes in job. handy for Janet. Yes. <laughs> he is not like not just I mean Manny as in manager for Janet, but he's like Issa's nanny, you reckon? Yeah. That's what she's decided for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've given him that job. He doesn't, he may not think so, but I've given him that job. He's holding the, he's, he's holding the diaper bag. He's got the, (laughs) pushing the stroller. (laughs) He's changing bottles and potty training as we speak. Yep. (laughs) Oh, glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I've got two episodes to go to catch up. I've tried so hard not to binge on them all because a listener only told me about this. Oh, it was probably only about a month ago or a month and a half ago. I think I could be wrong. It might have been Ashley. But whatever listener it was that pointed um, me in your direction, I'm very grateful. And I don't know how I was oblivious to it for since May. I remember searching for Janet podcasts last year and there were none. So mm. I just hadn't found it yet. But um, I think I've got two episodes that I've saved. Uh, one of them's the if episode. But mm-hmm. I love the format. So tell people a little bit about the format of the show. And then you do some little differences in episodes like games and such. Right. Yes. So typically our format is we open with news, whatever that might be, which has been very different as of late because Janet has been so busy. Mm. Um, but we, and we also have a song that we discuss each, each episode. So we talk about 
the actual content of the song, the lyrical content, the music, and then we talk about the music video. And then if possible, we like to put it into context of what was going on in her life um, at that time and what was going on overall in the music scene. Um, and a lot of times when we do that, we find that Michael and Janet are on the charts at the same time, or they've got mm-hmm. some synchronicities in their career too that we like to discuss. So uh, that's kind of the format in general. And then on the tell-in, we like to play a game or have a discussion. A lot of times it'll be something silly, like trying to answer a question the way that we think Janet Jackson would answer a question or um, some Janet Jackson trivia that Cammie and I will try to stump each other. But just something just to keep the conversation going and just to have a good time. And this week we had uh, Cam, I, we haven't even talked about this. I don't know if if you noticed, but some of the questions we asked in some of our earlier episodes in this <laughs> round of Janet Jackson interviews, she's actually been answering some of the questions. Um, so, not so. You know, did Janet answer? Did Janet answer what she would take to a potluck? She did not. <laughs> she did not answer that, and that is crucial because that I think is we crucial. That is this. crucial. We need what, to settle what, this. Yeah, what what were your answers again? I said Rotel. <laughs> I had to and, Google. I had to Google Rotel. We do not know oh, what that is. Yeah. Do you want to Do you want to tell our listeners what Rotel is in case they were oblivious like us? We don't have it here. Okay, let me break down the Rotel recipe. <laughs> you get some Velveeta cheese, the whole block, and you melt it in a crock pot. So you add Rotel, tomatoes, and peppers, get it out of a can, you put that in there. And then you brown or cook some ground beef, pork sausage. (laughs) You can even do shrimp. You can just put all kind of meat in there and you melt it down and you eat it with tortilla chips. Oh, it's delicious. Wow. Mm, That sounds good. (laughs) That sounds like a main meal. I'm ready to try some of that. That doesn't sound like a small dish. That's like a main meal. Yeah. (laughs) But you gotta have it at the cookout. I think I think Janet will walk in and be like, "Y'all got that rotel ready?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what was your what was your answer for that question, Courtney? So my answer was a little more simple. <laughs> I simple. said hummus. Hummus. Right. Yes. <laughs> I said hummus. And I, and I felt strong, strongly convicted. But every time Cam talks about this rotel. Even though I know Janet Jackson is a vegetarian, in my mind, Cam, you're selling it so well. I'm like, maybe she would bring Rotel. <laughs> I, I was sold. <laughs> <laughs> Janet oh. would eat that Rotel. Nobody wants to eat brown sweet peas or whatever it's called, chickpeas. <laughs> I feel strongly, though, that maybe she doesn't know what Rotel is because this round of interviews has been very revealing. You know, we, mm. we, we, we learned recently that she doesn't know what hot Cheetos are. Um, oh, you got to know what a hot Cheeto is. <laughs> right. We, we oh, learned. Well, Catherine, Catherine knows what a hot yeah. Cheeto is. Exactly. I was like, I think, I think there's hot Cheetos at Havenhurst. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we learned that she, you know, had a Kit Kat for the first time in her adulthood. What? How can she be alive for so long without a Kit Kat? So I'm just going to assume that, like, she's been an adult for a long time. So maybe, you know, we're assuming recent adulthood. Maybe she meant, you know, early adulthood. But she did did express it as though it was somewhat new to her. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh the hot, my. The hot Cheetos threw up for a curve. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yes. So, that again, like, I think... I think hummus is probably safer because, like, I feel like people that travel in that circle know what hummus is. And also, she doesn't have to do anything. And I feel like that's mm. important as well. <laughs> now, Courtney and Cam, speaking about all these interviews she's doing at the moment, have you guys, I've got to ask, have you thought about reaching out to Janet to get her on the show yourself? So, we're on it. Absolutely. We haven't. And part of it is just, you you know, this is a surprise to us that she's this active. Mm. So we're trying to get our act together, you know, who, who to approach and how. And maybe we can get some advice from you guys on kind of how you've gone about um, building your roster and getting some of the great interviews that you all have in, in, in many of your episodes. But that's Twitter. something that's on, <laughs> on the agenda. That's okay. it, just Twitter. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, hey. that's something that's there. So we're going to try and start reaching out to her folks. We just wanted to make sure we were putting out a quality product that we knew what we were doing. Cam and I, you know, we're kind of uh, podcast novices as, as it were. So we were just really? trying to get ourselves together mm-hmm. and put together a, a, a strong program and really be a forum for fans. So mm. we're starting to line up some guests now. And, and a lot of that is thanks in part to you guys for, just being yes. such strong partners and, and sharing, you know, the word about our podcast, because we're starting to get folks who are, hey, when you guys talk about such and such song, can can I be on your show or oh, that's or great. that kind yep. of thing? So we've got some folks coming up and we're excited about that. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to kind of have a strong product and be a forum where fans like us who maybe your friends aren't as excited about Janet Jackson as, as you may be. Um, we want it to be a forum where you can just come and truly stand and fangirl or fanboy out um, about yeah. someone that we believe is a true living legend. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Well, we are getting the word out today. Where can people find your podcast? Where can they listen to it? We're trying to be everywhere that they are. So you can get us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, um, of course, SoundCloud. We are somewhat lackadaisical, if I admit it, on YouTube, but we are on YouTube. It just takes us yeah. a little longer to get there. So if you subscribe, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, you'll get those, you know, the moment they arrive. And then the next day when I remember, I put them on YouTube. <laughs> The next day, that's better than us. We're, <laughs> we're lucky if we get it out a week or two later on YouTube. Yeah. For us, YouTube is a courtesy for us. It's yeah, just that's a, we're doing, like. a, yeah. Yes, this is a community service. Like, that's I'll right. get to it when I get to it. It's a gateway yep, drug. It. You like us on YouTube? Yeah. Come over to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you are not alone. They are here with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's get into some fan chat now. I I do want to talk about the new stuff. Cannot wait to talk about Made for Now. But let's mm-hmm. do a little flashback. I'm going to lead into it and tell you, Janet was my first ever concert. Oh, yeah. Mine too. On the, yeah, on the Janet World Tour. Uh, it was oh. an I- indoor uh, entertainment center here in Perth. I think was that about 94 I'm guessing that tour was my dad took me to the concert and we had seats that were sort of up in the 
stands and not long into the concert, I was like, I'm going to see if I can go down the front. So I went for a little walk and there was a sort of <laughs> main stage area and in front of that a big fenced off square, but to the sides of that some sort of like triangular parts where it was not really seating and I saw people in the little corners next to the stage area. So I went down there and I had a great view. It was, awesome. that was an incredible, incredible first concert. It was a great show that set educated me about Gaudi and his architecture. And, you know, that was such a great era. So that was it my was. first concert. And I actually think my first album that I got on cassette that was mine and not the family's was at Christmas and it was the Rhythm Nation cassette. I love it. Yeah, because oh. my my sister pinched it out of my Christmas stocking and said, no, Santa gave it to her. And mum was oh. like, no, I don't think, don't think Santa did. I think Santa gave that to your brother, so you, you better give it back. <laughs> She was in control that time. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Yes. Well, that's so, an awesome first concert. How are how yeah. are you not ruined for concerts ever? Like who can oh, stop that? Well, yeah, pretty much. And then I don't know if it was the next one, but a few years later in '96, I did get to see Michael in concert twice for the ah, History okay, World okay. Tour. So, yeah, my standards are pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably, the, probably the only artist that really matches them was Lady Gaga because her stages are incredible. Her live performance is incredible. You know, she's with flaming pianos and <laughs> Castle of Grayskull opening up on stage. And You've oh, seen wow. Prince really, too. You, yeah. you, you spoke highly of Prince's show. Prince was an experience. Like I felt that in my soul. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Cause that was just him and a piano and that was it. Wow. And that was, that was very special. And that was only like months, two months before he passed away. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was very lucky. Um, and I also have early memories of renting from the video store, the Janet control video cassette with all the control <laughs> album video clips. Yes, yes. So Janet was for me before Michael. So Janet, so Janet was your gateway drug. Janet was my gateway drug. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has a gateway Jackson. I feel like oh, most people who like the Jacksons like all the Jacksons, but there's one that was kind of their entry into the family. Yep. yep. It wasn't it yep. wasn't Latoya, it was Janet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Before before I get your fan stories, I did forget to mention this. Who was talking about Latoya's headband on your show? Oh, uh, that, was, that was me. <laughs> that was Courtney. I love it. I love it. We actually yes. put a great picture up of Latoya wearing her headband back in the eighties, <laughs> and now that's like bring it back, Latoya. It's oh, great. I've seen her a couple times recently. She's <gasps> on a cooking show. She had the headband. Yes. And uh, I can't recall exactly if when she spoke to the medium, if she had the headband, but I know for sure on the cooking show. And I'm she telling was... you, it's something about that headband. Headband Latoya mm-hmm. is the best Latoya. 
Absolutely. Oh. Headband Latoya is the best. She was wearing it this week on her Instagram. She sure did. Yes, she did. I saw that. Yep. Yep. I love it. All right. So who, who wants to go first and tell me and Jamin and all our wonderful listeners about your Janet fan story? Who's up? Go ahead, Courtney. I'll let you go first. Thanks, Cousin sure. Cam. Thanks. Yes. Well, I am always excited to talk about Janet Jackson. So my fan story, I do believe Janet Jackson was my favorite, my first concert. Um, saw her Rhythm Nation tour in Detroit, Michigan in 1989. And before that, I just remember being completely enamored with her. And it's so funny, my memory is a little fuzzy about how, because I wasn't quite old enough to take in, I didn't really watch Fame. I didn't really watch Good Times until it was in syndication. But I remember clearly there was a American Bandstand countdown that used to come on Saturday mornings and my neighbor would babysit me and I would be at her house. And I remember when I saw the Pleasure Principle video, it was over for me. It was like time stood still and I was watching the most magical person on earth. And I remember standing in front of this TV hypnotized for the full three minutes or whatever it was. And I really felt like my life was changed watching her perform Pleasure Principle. And then from there, just that Control album was spectacular. I remember seeing the When I Think of You video and I remember seeing Nasty and just all of those things back to back to back was like truly overwhelming for, you know, however old I was, 9, 10, 11, however old I was. It was all truly amazing. But it wasn't until I got to be older and I really started to appreciate her development as a person. Mm. You know, one of the reasons I truly love Janet Jackson is her humanity, her humility, but also she was always letting us in on her growth. You know, when she changed as a person, her albums changed and she allowed us in on that. And I remember as a kid growing up, that was really impressive upon me because it told me that you don't have to be what you were yesterday. You should always be striving to be better, always be striving to be your true self, but you don't owe it to anyone to be what you were yesterday. You can be a new you, the best you you can be in that moment. And so I love that with each project, she continues to reinvent, reintroduce herself. And I love that. And it gave me a little sense of freedom as well as an introverted, awkward child. And I'm now an introverted, awkward adult, but I still feel <laughs> a, a sense of freedom in continuing to explore who I'm, who I am and who I'm becoming and I think that model for that was Janet Jackson. Mm, wow. wow. What an answer. Yeah, I can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> you can try. You got it. I know you're probably going to start with Michael Jackson. Go on and get in there. Okay, yes. My name, my name is Cousin Cam, and Michael Jackson was my gateway drug. <laughs> but, I fell in love with Michael at a very young age, around, I say around three years old. But when I first discovered Janet was actually when the control video came out. And I saw her with that uh, headset and she was rocking the stage. And I was just like, huh, this is, this is Michael's sister? And from then on, I just really just continued to follow her career. But I actually, the first time I actually got a chance to see her in, in concert was the Unbreakable Tour in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee, in uh, September at the FedEx. And when I tell you just the 
line just to see Janet was so long. There were so many fans and I was able, I felt like I was with family because I would mention songs that maybe people who only listen to her whole, all her projects would know. And they were like, yeah, I love that song. And we were just, they were just telling me their experiences, whether it was their first time or how many concerts they've seen her in. And then when I walked into the the uh, arena and was able to look at some of her, you know, MTV Moon Man awards and just some of the stuff that she shares with her fans. To be honest with you, I never have seen an artist share that much of their success with their fans, you know, just to walk around and just see, you know, things that mean so much to her. And I mean, we spent like a good 45 minutes, me and my sister, just looking at all the things that she has, you know, done over the years and stuff and her Grammys and stuff like that. And then when she finally hit the stage, I was just like, I was like a kid who was looking at Santa for the first time. I was just like, wow. (laughs) And I mean, I enjoyed every song, every hit. I mean, everything that she did. And she just kept my attention the whole time. And when I say I got my money's worth, I got my money's worth. I mean, I left (laughs) that going. Janet could have... you didn't have to do me like this, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just really felt like I, I felt like I was I was watching probably one of the last, you know, legends of entertainers out there from my generation because she just did like a magnificent job with it. So that that experience, I mean, I'll never forget just seeing her in concert and her, you know, performing. Have you seen her since that show, Cousin Cam? Well, uh have to admit I had a chance to go see her but I end up seeing Charlie Wilson forgive me Jackson gods <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got to share the cousin cam you've got to share the cousin cam <laughs> and she'll be back yeah, yeah. I'm loving yeah. this Jen here I know it. yeah and I wanted to chime in too you mentioned about kind of the touring museum that she took with her on the unbreakable tour and that is another thing that is like truly I can't say it's specific or unique to Janet. I just can say that I only know of her who's done it. I'm sure other folks have done it, but to I've take never heard of anyone else doing that, like having an exhibit that yeah, shows she takes different costumes, artifacts, and, and things. That's her amazing. Very cool. Yeah, it, it and it's like you, Cam. You say you spend about 45 minutes in there. I went with a friend here, and one of my passions is. You know, I like to break in Janet Jackson virgins. So I took <laughs> someone who had never. Have we got a show gone. title like you or what? <laughs> Pop, popping the Janet cherry. Yes, exactly. So, like, that's my kink. So, whenever she's around, I try to take someone who's never gone before. So, that particular time, I had gone with a friend who'd never seen Janet Jackson and she was so excited. And we went into the exhibit and we, you know, took pictures. There's like um, artifacts. There's gifts from Michael um, in there. I think there was uh, old costumes and there were her moon men from her VMAs and Grammys and just tons of things. And so we were in there for about 40 minutes. And when we came out and my friend who'd never seen Janet in concert, she's like, that was awesome. And we still get to see Janet. Like she's oh. so excited. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
That is so cute. No, I love those stories of when you introduce people to live Janet for the first time. That's a, that's a great community service that you're doing. It is. It is. I'm all about the people. Listen, I want everyone to live their best life, which is why I am a Janet Jackson witness. Like if Janet Jackson isn't a part of your life, you are not living your best life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is true. I have to say... The Unbreakable album. What was that, three years ago now? 2015? Yes. 2015. Yes. Yep. Wow. That album I love so much. Like, talk about return to peak. Right. The highest it. form. Exactly. Yeah. Bring in, you know, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, and just smack this down because it is such a good and strong album. And mm-hmm. now we've got a new single from what sounds like an upcoming EP made mm-hmm. for now. And it is solid. Mm. I love Absolutely. it. It is such a good song. Tell us about when this dropped and your reactions and how much you guys love the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, Cam. When I heard the song, I was, I'm going to be honest. I was a little hesitant because I was like, you know, I want Janet to come out strong. I want her to, you know, say, hi, haters. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still the queen. And so looking at the, you know, some of the photos that came out from the video shoot, I was just like, like I got my fingers crossed. And <laughs> when I heard the song, I was like, OK, let me play this one more time. So I played it twice. And I said, nah, nah, man. But after the 50th time, <laughs> I was hooked no. But after the fifth time I listened to the song, I was like, this was perfect. It was an upbeat tempo. It was uplifting. It was just, it was just Janet. And it was her doing what she does best. You know, I understand, you know, a lot of times the music scene right now is changing. You know, you have to do things different. But in a way, made for now, to me, reminds me of what Janet is about. She's uplifting, upbeat. If you're having a bad day, you play that Janet and it gets you going. Mm. And adding adding Daddy Yankee to it. And he, to me, he's like the best hype man. Because to me, he's just like, do your thing, Janet. Do your thing. <laughs> and it's just, a, it, it was stuck in my head after 10 minutes. I was like, yeah, I'm walking around going, the so hard now. So I'm glad it stays with you. For sure. It stays with you. Yeah. Cam and I try not to talk between podcasts unless we're just having like a regular, you know, talking about family or something like that. We try not to talk Janet Jackson uh, between podcasts so that (laughs) folks can get our first reactions. And that afternoon we're texting back and forth and we're like, stop it. We stopped talking. We can't. And then like, you know, one of us would admonish the other like, no more, no more, no more. And then another text would come and it's like, no more, no more. But we were so excited about the song. And I was really excited because one, I felt like she came to make a global statement. So that Mm. song to me had the power to be successful everywhere. And I really Mm -hmm. liked the fact that it was um, uplifting. It was classic Janet in a way, but with a new twist. And that's kind of what we're accustomed to um from janet and so to me it felt like a signal like okay we're back on track um we're you know the way that unbreakable kind of set things set janet in order 
uh, it felt like, okay, this is good. This is whatever is to follow is going to be fantastic. So I really enjoyed the single. And then she just like, she just kept punching us. Like she would not let us get off the mat because the single came, (laughs) the video came, then the Jimmy Fallon performance. And she just wouldn't let us up. Like just so much fabulousness, so much excellence. We couldn't catch our breath. And then when XM radio said, Hey, we're going to give you a Janet channel for a couple of days with the nation channel. I was like, do you not know how you feed my <laughs> oh, I walked around the yes. office to sing all the hits. They were like, Cammy, will you shut up? I'm like, I can't. It's Janet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even the video itself uh, for Made For Now, there's, I just realized this morning, I didn't know it, but there's two. There's two Made For Now videos. Um, there's the, the vertical video. The vertical, vertical version. Video. I did yes. not even know yeah. that. Yeah. And. That was great. I loved how behind the scenes that is and how she's goofing around and it's all sort of like selfie style shot. And that's a fun video in itself. Absolutely. I really liked it. In fact, I saw a little snippet of it. Someone put it on Facebook and they had only put like 20 seconds out. And I spent the next 40 minutes like texting and emailing folks on Facebook. Like if there's more of this, I need it. I need it now. (laughs) So finally got a hold of the video and I watched the whole thing and I just thought, yeah, I love this. Dave Myers is such a spectacular director. Um, As we know, Mm. he's done seven or so videos with Janet Jackson. And then he's also responsible for one of our other faves, Missy Elliott, who should win the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award next year or we should just end it all together. Like, stop giving it out if you're not... (laughs) Going and to also say his name, too. Yeah, yes, yeah. Say, yeah. His say his name. name. It's, it's yeah, his say, award. It's award. That's yes, yeah, say his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it. The video. Wow. Like when I heard the song, I think I was the first time I heard it. It was such. It was. It was very solid, but it was very different to Unbreakable. It was mm-hmm. such a different vibe. And I listened to it and I was like, okay, this, I guess you could say it sounds like all the current sort of similar sounding summer jams. And then I listened to it again. I was like, actually, no, I got, I get this. I get this. Mm -hmm. And then because the video came out straight away, I was like, okay, this is just taking it so higher. The elevation with the visuals was Mm -hmm. something else. Like the visuals for this video were just phenomenal and just seeing Janet in 50,000 different costumes looking like absolute African royalty was just phenomenal and I was like yeah this is the song of <laughs> this I'm going year. into with I'm going into withdrawal because I don't think I've seen the video in three days or so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're talking about it like immediately I must see it again mm-hmm. Cam and I talked about you know, the outfit started leaking and even Janet on an interview today. Um, well, I saw it today. It was actually from a couple of days ago, but she was talking about how difficult that shoot was because it's been so long since she's not been on a lot um, yep. that they shot like in the streets. And so trying to keep the song a secret and they actually recorded most of the video, the dance breaks, they were wearing like earpieces um, so that they wouldn't play the music in the city. Oh, and so that wow. people couldn't, so yeah, leak, so yeah. that people couldn't like record their songs and leak it to the radio <laughs> or whatever. And so, just thinking about like 
what they were doing behind the scenes. And even when Cam and I saw like all the costumes, one of the uh, wardrobe designers had taken some pictures and put them on Instagram, like the pictures from the shoot long before we saw the video. And I just thought, there's no way they're going to use all these clothes. And it's like, there's no way. How, how, what, what are y'all doing? That looked like that looked like the costumes for the entire cast, but that was just for Janet. Yeah, yes, that, that, those were Janet's costumes. Yes, and so when you see all of that, and when you see the finished product, it's like I'm just stunned. I don't want to be as stunned as I am because I feel like that that means that I underestimated her. But that's fair though, because I mean she raised the game. But mm-hmm. I was just stunned that at this point, she's still putting out visuals that they're trailblazing. Um, because just the way that this video was shot, um, it feels like we we know it's not a one take, but it feels like a one take. Um, just mm-hmm. some of the technology they were using with the yeah. cameras and the zooms and going through walls and the fabrics and the dancing. And even when she talks about the dancing, you know, they learned that routine inside of a week. It was really significantly less than a week to put together all of those dance components. And so just when you when you take it all in at once, you're amazed. And then when you think about all the bits and pieces behind it, it's it's like, wow, she did it again. Like she really raised the game yet again. It'll be interesting to see how she tops it. That's for sure. Yeah, I can't imagine what's next. Yeah, but I'm so excited to See what's next also from her well let's speculate what do you think is coming next i'm thinking maybe a, a, a european leg of, of of state of the world tour uh, uh two um and just hopefully she drops you know and maybe another single to keep them you know keep the vibe going for the ep to drop well that would make a lot of european people happy because they had tickets to shows for the Unbreakable World Tour, and then Janet got busy and couldn't, couldn't, answer, couldn't yeah. answer the call. Got busy, so, for real. Yep, so busy, can't answer the calls, and then they're still waiting. They, You know, some people still have tickets, I think. So yeah. hopefully she does do that, and then hopefully after that she can come back to Australia. Yes, please. It's time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think that um, – she will do a European tour. I agree with my cousin. I think that that's what's going to happen. And I'm very curious about this EP. So mm-hmm. she's been saying it's going to drop in the fall. And I'm not sure if she's super aware of when fall is because she also <laughs> saying that it's a work in progress. And I'm like, yeah. fall is three weeks, ma'am. So I'm so like, you should have a little more solid grasp on what this might be. <laughs> Yeah, have a look at a calendar, Janet. Have a look at a calendar. So no pressure, though, because she's been working so hard, and I kind of just want her to take a nap. So if it takes a couple extra (laughs) days or weeks or whatever for her to, like, get it together, because I'm super concerned at this point because, I mean, this woman's everywhere. Like, I just saw her in an Uber commercial, which I don't know what that was about. But, like, I need you to just, like... I haven't seen that yet. Simmer down have a bath, relax, and we'll be here. But, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I know you got to strike while while the getting's good, but also, too, <laughs> I, I, I want her to take the time that she needs for herself and for self-care and to be with the little one and all of that stuff. Um, 
Yeah, we'll it is here. very hectic at the moment, isn't it? She is doing a lot. We needed you guys on to give us a backup. There's so much news. <laughs> but um, <Yeah. it's, laughs> I, I'm curious about the EP itself. Do we know anything about the production um, behind it? Is who's I, I don't even know who produced Made for Now. Is that person producing the whole all the songs on it? Or um, so I don't I, know that we know that. Go ahead, Cam. Yeah, we they haven't really said who's all uh, worked on on it but i do know that um is it samuels i can't think of his harmony name who yeah harmony who worked on made for now so i imagine he would probably still have a little more um put him in some more tracks in with this ep hopefully and Mm -hmm. of course jimmy jam and terry lewis you know they are her you know her family and they know what janet's about so hopefully they get their hands in the lab and put something on the ep too we're hoping yeah I think that so, they are definitely involved, which is a relief for many Janet Jackson true, fans. Yes, yes, true fans. There is a sense of comfort uh, when we know that the trio is together. Yeah. 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 For yeah. Sure. And and they they did have some involvement with Made for Now, didn't they? So uh, they did, Harmon, yes. Harmony was, I think, the main producer, but then Jimmy and Terry came in and finished it up, I guess. Yeah, and they actually they, produced the they, vocals. So Janet, yeah. Jenny, oh, and Terry, okay. from my understanding, yeah. did the vocal arrangements, and Harmony was more responsible for the track and also oh. some of the songwriting. Well, it worked out well. It worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, it was a great decision for her to come back with such a positive song. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Unbreakable, as an ex- you know, it is an excellent album, and I love it, but it's got some real depth to it, you know, and it's got some darker things in there as well. And, you know, I don't want to get into the personal life stuff, but over the past few years, it's clear that she's been through some, you know, difficult circumstances. And and I just mm-hmm. think it was such a great decision to come back with such a positive vibe. I remember Q when we spoke to, I think it was Taj one time, he said his favorite Janet is Happy Janet, like all for you Happy style. Happy Janet. <laughs> and that's yeah. exactly what I needed. You know, like even you just look at the state of the world right now politically, I think the world needs positivity. And it was it was a mm-hmm. great vibe to come back with. Absolutely. I mean, the title says it all. That song was made for now. And it was what mm. we needed right now, I think. Especially, you know, I don't want to get into it. But you all know what we're dealing with here in the United States. So, yeah. Uh, oh, it, my Lord. It was definitely, <laughs> we need, and I think that's why I listened to the song on repeat. Because that three-minute distraction isn't enough. Like, you just, I need to just yeah. one more time, one more time. Yeah, and then where there might not, you know, you, you hear the occasional fan say, yeah, it's got a very current sounding flavor, it's very current, but where there's depth, you know, it's you got to read between the lyrics, see what's going on in the video, see what's going on in the Fallon performance. It's about bringing people together, inclusivity, mm-hmm, yes. you know, and it's there's so much depth in that, and the, it's like a counter statement to what's going on politically. Very, very, it's, it's what we need. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is what she and does and and yeah. has done for so long. You know, when you think about Rhythm Nation and and the way that she was able to deliver that in a way that people needed it at that time. Right. Like she revolutionized dance. She revolutionized videos. And she was like, also, here is this message. <laughs> mm. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think so. And I think with her billboard performance, she uh, speech. She was just talking about we need love. And and she's right. Everybody needs love. And I remember when she did an article, um, her, her article with Essence magazine, she talked about 
you know, just being uplifting and in the stages that she went through her in her life of, you know, loving herself and being comfortable with who she who she is. And I think, you know, some te- a teenager may need to see that or just a, someone else who's going through something needs to know, hey, you know, what you're going through, I've been there. Even though I've sold all these records, I've been there where you are. You know, I've had those mornings where, you know, I didn't love my smile or my butt, you know, things like that. And just kind of, you know, just encourage them to, you know, love yourself and love each other. Mm. Janet has, well, I'm, I can't remember about, 20 year old or maybe Demita Joe, what the messages and themes in Mm -hmm. those albums were. I don't listen to them as much, but um, like Janet right from the start. And this is pretty much for the whole Jackson family. They've always been very vocal about issues and Mm -hmm. inspiring people into action and things like that. Like even um, I've got a tweet here from Janet 10 days ago, and it's to all you young women out there, make your voice heard and vote. Join Michelle Obama's When We All Vote to register yourself and friends and spread awareness on voting and see you on election day. Sign up at whenweallvote.org. Like how many other people are putting stuff out like that now in this climate? That is, Mm -hmm. I I was so happy when I saw that from the Janet Jackson. Like that is what she tweeted. So tell us a little bit about what Janet means in the community really over in America at the moment. I think she means a lot to uh, the community. I know one thing that about Janet is we watched Janet grow. You know, mm. she to me as as a not just as a part as a, just as a person, I'm going to just say to me she represents strength, determination, and also just staying focused because what Janet the success that Janet has gotten didn't come overnight. I mean, she had projects that didn't sell millions, you know, mm. there was record labels that were like, hey, you know, we, Jenny can't sell. She, she's not like Michael, but that didn't stop her. She was determined to put, you know, to be an entertainer and to make her own lane. And even when she went through the situation with the Super Bowl, her strength, oh we saw Janet take, I mean, this woman took on a backlash of being boycotted, mm-hmm. all so many things. And she faced it head on in the public eye. And to me, I'm like, if Janet can go through that, I, hey, I can make it, you know? And I just think yeah. she's always just represented strength and determination. What about you, yeah. Courtney? I certainly would agree. Um, and you mentioning the Super Bowl reminds me of the article you sent me today. Um, mm-hmm. for, for me, there is a mixed legacy in the United States for Janet Jackson. And it is a struggle for me. It's almost painful for me because, of course, there are those of us who have grown with her and who love her, like my cousin and myself. And we understand truly what she has done since the beginning. Like, you know, people forget that on the Rhythm Nation tour, she sponsored City for Schools. You know, she uh, donated, I think it was like a quarter from every ticket sale um, to Cities for Schools, which supported inner city urban school districts. Mm-hmm. She also did work with the NAACP during that time. She, so there was a lot of things that she was doing in the black community and the U.S. in general. And still there's this, this cloud 
over her mm-hmm. legacy in regards to uh, the Super Bowl issue. Um, then there's folks who say, you know, the Jacksons aren't black enough, which is so very confusing oh. to me. I don't want to get into mm-hmm. that because it is so confusing to me. Um, like, who is the arbiter of blackness, of culture? Uh, who Who is the arbiter? Like, when do we vote? Because I didn't cast my vote. Um, so, so, but, but this cloud, so Cami sent me an article today about Les Moonves from CBS. So after the, uh, Super Bowl issue where we know that for less than one second, a nipple was displayed on television and, uh, basically cost her career. And so everyone has spoke speculatively about it today, but about it up until now, but definitively, um, it was reported today that Les Moonves made it his mission to destroy Janet Jackson's career. He felt like she did not apologize appropriately. Basically, she did not grovel. And he made it his decision that he would ruin her. He struck her from any MTV, Viacom outlet, be it radio stations, TV stations. Mm -hmm. And he was very upset when he found out that she had that book deal with Simon & Schuster because they are a subsidiary of Viacom. And when he found out that she got a book deal, he was ready to fire some people. Like that was seven years after the Super Bowl. And he Mm. was still on a tear of making sure she never recovered. Mm. And so that was a very big split in the United States because there's still people who are arguing about whether she did it on purpose or didn't do it on purpose. And to me, that isn't important. If she said she didn't do it on purpose, I believe her. But if she did, is it worth ruining someone's career because we saw a thing that every human on earth has? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was deeper than that. I think it was because yeah. up until that point, she had been a strong black feminist. She had been outspoken about equal rights. She had been outspoken about race, racial issues. And so that was the chance for someone to put her in her place. I'm using air quotes, um, put her in her place. And and they took it. That That's, that's what they did because we noticed that there were very few repercussions for the person who actually revealed the breast. Um, yep. yes. And yep. she suffered tremendously um, year after year and is still rebuilding. And that's one of the reasons that I love her so much is because we know that was painful for her. She's expressed it. And in fact, for many years, she did not want to talk about it. We know that was painful for her, but she still gets up and holds her head up high and she still yeah. continues to climb. I, I mm-hmm. find it interesting to watch the uh, interviews that took place around that time on um, late night shows. And there's a terrible interview where she's, uh, I think it's Letterman actually. who It he, is, yeah. And he Letterman. just grills her and he won't let it go. And it's question after question after question about that one thing. I read an article yesterday actually that was, I don't know if it was an article, it might have been a tweet. I can't recall, but it was about um, how the powers that be at the time using that situation for their own political gain and how there were two very controversial wars happening at the time in Iraq and, and Afghanistan mm-hmm. and, a, and a controversial administration as well, wanting to introduce even more, uh, I guess, rigorous censorship on television and using mm-hmm. that situation to... to um, you know, lengthen the delay out on TV, uh, live television, yes. so they can mm-hmm. censor things. Yeah, so I found that interesting. It changed everything. Yes, yes. Most live shows from that point on, I think, aired with a five-second delay, mm. and, yep. which is so silly. Like it's so befuddling to me. But um, it's good 
that some of this is starting to come to the surface because I don't think people really recognize what the impact was on her career because there are folks who just say, well, the album wasn't good. I think this oh, was God. going into Demita Jones. Favorite. <laughs> it's one of my favorite and, you know, Janet albums. So people, strong. People just say it wasn't good. Or they say, well, this was the time of the changing of the guard. You know, we have this belief that there can only be one pop star at a time. And this was the changing of the guard. And so Janet's time was over. So, yeah, maybe it hurt a little bit, but really it was just over for her and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the truth is, no, there was a concerted effort to Mm -hmm. damage one person's career because someone got got embarrassed. And basically that's what Mm. he said. He, He embarrassed her. And he didn't feel like she was contrite enough or how did they say it? Remorseful enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, what, what I heard was the black woman didn't grovel. That's what I heard. <laughs> so bad. Um, I, I have a question. Um, one, one last question on this topic. It's um, I mean, as Michael Jackson fans, Q, you, you would agree. I think that we are, we often spend our time speaking with, you know, <laughs> uh, casual fans or people that aren't even fans about particular topics. For example, you know, what, you know, didn't happen in, in 1993 with Michael Jackson. Absolutely. Would you, mm-hmm, would right. you say that as a Janet fan, that the Super Bowl incident is, com- you know, comparable? That's, that's the, the 93 of the Janet fan world. You and me, cousin. <laughs> Go ahead, Cam. I, okay, let me just be honest. For, I, I get the jokes. I wish the jokes would stop because I guess it's because I'm such a, fan of Janet and I love her. I think sometimes people just make statements as if, oh, she just she needed to sell records or she just wanted some attention or mm-hmm. she just, you know, was just trying to get a hoo And I'm just like, dude, it was a little pasty on uh, on her. But you're talking about, you know, for a quick second. But yet and still the other person is looked at as, oh, he did nothing wrong. He just got too overly excited about the situation. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. sometimes people forget that she's, even though she's a celebrity, she's a human being. So I spent like around Super Bowl, I spent half of my time really defending Janet saying, hey, you don't know the whole story. And you got to realize that this woman's career took a hit, and, you know, and she wouldn't, she doesn't have to do all that to sell records, you know. So right. it gets tough around the Super Bowl. I mean, I I just be preaching to myself, I guess, but that's the only <laughs> time where I'm just like, you know, I get frustrated. Yeah. And I'm like that yeah. every Mike year. Too. Every year. Yeah. I get, every year someone wants to talk to you about the Super Bowl incident with Janet Jackson and argue about whether it was on purpose or not on purpose. And who cares? I don't care. Uh, but right. I'll be honest, I was dating someone and <laughs> he wouldn't let up about it being intentional and so we weren't dating anymore <laughs> wow <laughs> goodbye <laughs> i love it i'll uh, do this with you <laughs> good move courtney good move well i don't know about it because like michael jackson i was like they was like michael jackson is this that and that i was like well we don't need to talk <laughs> I have Janet on one side. I got Mike yeah. on the corner. Yeah, TV. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and then you got you got T you got TJ from three two on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> got those corner somewhere. Don't mm-hmm. make me bring out the 
Yeah. But there is it. that. So there is constant, it feels like, and there's constant defending of the legacy. And yeah. one of the right. things that bothers me a little bit when we think about Janet Jackson is I feel, and Kim, you can chime, I feel like she doesn't get for all she's done. I'm talking, we're talking about a woman who is charted on the Billboard 100 in four decades. Mm-hmm. For all she's done, she doesn't get permanent legend status. It feels like it's always on trial. It's mm-hmm. temporary. It depends yeah. on what she does next. And yeah. I don't think we think about other legends in that way. I don't think anyone is like, you know, in the 80s, was, if the Rolling Stones' next album is trash, then we're just, that's it. They, no. they, they were the worst band in history. But I feel like it always depends on what she does next. And I am of the belief that if she had stopped in 1997, she would be a legend the body of work that she had presented up until that point. I mean, she had already won a VMA, the Video Vanguard Award to be specific. And the body of work that she had delivered at that point, she was a legend, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't think there's anything that she can do to take away from that. Anything she does now is just bonus. It's icing, it's additional. So I, I find that upsetting and the fact I'm going to quickly get on this because I don't want Cammy to attack because we both get riled up about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But that's Mm. another area where she was the first black woman to have a number one rock and roll song and to win an award for producer of the year for a rock song. And whenever anyone talks to you about why she isn't in the Hall of Fame, they say she's not a rock artist. Well, okay, mm. I don't know if NWA is a rock artist, but, you know, here we are. Right. Mm. So, yes. but, but this woman has rock credentials. Like, she's got For sure. credentials. <laughs> Multiple. So, yeah. So, it, it's a struggle for me. It feels like she has had to kick and climb at every step of the way. And when you look at her as a person and what she's contributed out of the goodness of her heart, you're like, this woman has, has harmed no one. She has always been gracious, always been kind, always been humble, always giving of herself. You know, she has never shied away from using her light to let someone else shine. So I'm not going to get on Justin Timberlake, but she's never shied away from that. Uh And so the fact that she's always only been gracious and that still we make her work so hard for our love is Mm -hmm. immensely frustrating for me. And my, my, just to piggyback off of that, my biggest fear is I don't want them to treat Janet like we've done with other artists. Like, I remember when Michael passed, I was angry, not because he had passed, but because people were just now realizing what a genius, what a gem he was with this music. And I don't want the same thing for Janet. I feel like she should get her flowers now, you know? Give her, her her just due because she's earned it. I mean, she's worked her butt off for it. So don't wait until something tragic happens to her. Give it to her now because she deserves it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, Another topic I was hoping we could get into quickly is is something I just thought of. And it's, it's Michael and Janet as siblings that always had each other's backs, even in their darkest 
hours. Like we spoke about the Super Bowl before. I remember, I remember Michael doing an interview, a televised interview around that time. Uh, I think it was with Geraldo or someone, and he said, you know, he was talking about Janet, and he said, this too shall pass, you know. And I remember when mm-hmm. Michael was dealing with his things, and I think it was at the 95 VMAs when Janet mm-hmm. wore that, that, that mm-hmm. white shirt yes. with, with pervert two on the back. As if to say, mm-hmm. you, know, you, yes. you can't call him a pervert because if you do, you got to call me one as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she was there holding his arm at his trial. And the mm-hmm. closeness of these two scream, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think as siblings, you know, they, they ruled the industry together, especially during the 90s and always were there for each other. And I like Absolutely. looking at their legacies as intertwined in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I, the other day, I Googled, go just random, I Googled, I can't remember what I was looking for, but it, it, I started it with, is Michael Jackson? And Google auto-completed with Janet Jackson's brother. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, is this a question people are asking? <laughs> Still? What? Wow. <laughs> <sighs> I can't believe that. They're creative ideas as well. Like, you know, Janet said to Michael, hey, I like your military sort of style. Do you think I can sort of borrow that look? And there's Rhythm Nation. That's like yeah. a whole sort of era. That's like a whole yeah. uniform almost. And Michael's favorite song to to rehearse to, to um, dance to was The, the knowledge. knowledge. Was yeah. Knowledge, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that. So and they creatively, talk a lot about how they came up with a lot of the ideas at the same time. Yes. And I always thought that that was interesting. So they would kind of like negotiate on like who gets to execute it at this time. So I yeah. always thought that that was really neat. And a lot of the, you know, songs, especially on Thriller, you know, when you think about PYT and those things, to mm-hmm. me, I'm like, it's, it's so fun to think about them creating together, like the magic. And I'm just like, Really, Katherine Jackson is the real MVP here because how did this yeah. happen? Like <laughs> <laughs> in the one family, how did yeah. this happen? Yeah, I mean, even uh, Jermaine had hits also, and even Reby. I mean, I mean, Reby could have been a superstar, but she just did like the limelight. I mean, a very talented family. Yeah, it yeah. blows my mind. One of my favorite Michael and Janet moments is the um the Grammys, the Grammys, where she presented him with the, his, um, I can't remember what the award was, Q, what was the, the, uh, was it the Lifetime oh, the, Achievement the Legend award? award. The Legend Award. The Legend oh. Award, yeah. That, oh my God. I remember watching that live and, you know, recording Did it you? on the, the VCR. Yeah, that was like, you know, on our TV and I remember sitting there recording it and that little package that Janet presented with the big book on the big screens and the background. And then, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, you know, and then Mike comes out and he's like, you know, this puts to rest another room of me and Janet. Really <laughs> yes. are two separate people. Yes. And it was just so funny. I'll always I remember, remember that. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Classic. Oh, man. that This has been so much fun and again just can you let people know the name of your show and where they can find it and where they can find you online where you want people to sort of interact with you on social media and such 
Absolutely. So once again, it's Courtney and Cousin Cam, and uh, we host the show mm-hmm. dedicated to Janet Jackson called Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever. And uh, you can find us on social media at JJ Today Pod um, anywhere. So Instagram and Twitter are the same. We love to talk to you. So go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. Uh, talk to us. We talk back. Uh, mm-hmm. Subscribe. That is helpful. Like and tell a friend. If you know someone who loves Janet Jackson, tell them about us. We want this to be, like we said, a community forum where folks who love Janet Jackson can get together and uplift and love on her together. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Tell a friend. That's the most important thing. Tell a friend. We all know someone that's a, a Janet fan or a Michael fan and tell them about these incredible free entertainment like talk about value for money with janet the same goes for your show it is value for money (laughs) so good yes (laughs) you will get your money's worth i promise you will get your money's worth that's so true while we were talking i had a look back and it was actually february 23 1995 not 94 but 95 in Perth, where I saw the Janet concert at the Entertainment okay. Center. There you go, ninety-five. That was a big year. So, oh, well, firstly, Omar on stage—that was a personal awakening. <laughs> he was one of he, he was one of Janet's dancers in that he tour. Was Omar, so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was one of my that, favorites. Oh, me too, for yeah. many reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> awake, mm-hmm. awakening <laughs> me. As a young, young oh. teenager. All right, so, calm but, down, kids. All right. <laughs> what? Man, you're getting awakened Janet right now. Helped, He's telling Janet his helped. coming of age story. I am. <laughs> and Janet was a part of that, and Omar was there too. Uh, but that was, there you go, 95. I didn't think it was 95, so there you go. Um, I want to say thank you to you both for what you're doing with the podcast because – not only are you the first that we all know of, so you can take that and run with it because we think that's yours. But um, We're taking it's, it. You take it. It's important. What you're doing is important for not only for Janet, but the Jan fam, for the Janet fan community. What you are doing, ladies, is important and it is terrific. So thank you. I'm so grateful and I love Every show, it is just not only entertaining as heck, but it is educational. <laughs> it is educational and it is needed. Yeah. So thank you. And don't burn out well, and don't stop. <laughs> yeah, thank don't burn out, so don't much. stop. Yeah, thank you so much for your interactions and for your contributions, your feedback, and for having us here today. It's been such a warm reception from the two of you and your fans. Um, A lot of folks who are interacting with us, we know that they have landed with us because of you, and we are so grateful for that. So thank you. We're telling everyone about your show. We have enjoyed it so much. And, And I'm amazed. I came to you guys only about a month ago, and... I listened to the first episode, maybe like episode one and two. And then I was like, let me go forward in time and just see, like, can they really maintain this enthusiasm for like 85 <laughs> shows? Mm-hmm. And I'm pleased to report that I don't know how you have done it, but it is just <laughs> as vibrant, just as exciting. Um, when you told the stories about your your um, interactions with 
other fans or with people from Michael Jackson or the Jackson family. It's you all tell it like it happened this morning and you still feel the excitement and it definitely travels through your voices and into our ears. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I think it's the same for you guys. We do it all for love and this love for the Jacksons does not end. It has no bounds. And that's what fuels us all, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. 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 It's the circle of life. (laughs) <laughs> that's good enough <laughs> all right Jamin is there anything else we need to cover with the ladies before we let them go and enjoy their Friday nights yes, yes. I want to ask them some questions about their favorite stuff oh yeah okay 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 risky Okay, we're going to oh, do yeah. favorite Janet and favorite MJ. So, uh, oh, Courtney, cool. Courtney, first, what's your favorite Janet song ever? Oh, man. Ever? Okay, well, this week, <laughs> my favorite Janet song ever this week is Come Back to Me. Oh. Now, normally, n- normally, I would say that's the way love goes or pleasure principle. Mm-hmm. But this week I have rediscovered the deep layered harmonies that are come back to me. Oh, <laughs> nobody does. It is touching like my soul. Yeah. It's touching soul. my soul. Get my soul. Yeah. Michael, I love more of his statement pieces. So I love all Michael Jackson. Today I was actually listening to some little Michael Jackson, but they don't really care about us. It's probably one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. And it came on day before yesterday when I was in the car and I had arrived at work and I had to stay in my car so I could finish the dance routine I was doing before I could go into work. (laughs) That's good. That is good. I just saw online actually on Twitter that the the multi-tracks to They Don't Care About Us just leaked, I think, a couple of hours ago. So we can expect some good fan remixes of that, I think, now. Oh, yes. Wow. I am for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cousin Cam, tell us your favorite Janet song, your favorite Michael song. Favorite Janet? Oh, man. I'm going to go with If, although I could go with Miss You Much, but I'm going to say If. If I was your girl, I just love that. And it always reminds me of having a crush on someone. So every time I hear that song, I just go like, oh, man, I remember when I had a, like, a huge crush on this person. So that would be for me. For Michael, it's don't stop till you get enough. I've told my sister, like, don't have a funeral for me. Just have a fish fry and play we don't have stop till you get enough. Don't get you covered. When I get, <laughs> and when I get married, I want to walk into that baseline that dum 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 I got to walk in on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I vote yes. I, that is approved. Yes. I approve that idea. Yes. <laughs> All right, cousin. <laughs> you got my back. I got you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. It's been really awesome. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, folks, that was the ladies. And we're going to head to a remix now because, of course, you guys don't pay much for this show, so we cannot afford the royalties for the actual (laughs) song. So we have a remix because that's just – we can pinch that off SoundCloud and hopefully not get in trouble for it. But uh, we've got a remix (laughs) of Made For Now. And what is this mix? This is the Trace Adam remix of Made For Now. Again, 
Courtney and cousin Cam. Is Jamin eligible to be a cousin yet? I think I think he's passed, hasn't he? Yeah, I, yeah. Welcome to the family, Jamin. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Score nice. Well, Courtney and cousin Cam, um, yeah, get that rotel out. Here's the remix, and ladies, again, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Till next time, guys. Till next time. on the Michael Jackson This Is It Tour, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. 
Man, that was a cool little remix there of uh, Made For Now and an awesome discussion. I just love Courtney and Cousin Cam and I can't wait one day to have them back on the show. (laughs) Can't wait, folks. That'll be so cool. Well, as we wrap up our show, we got Finds of the Week. It's just you and I this week, Jamin. Yeah. You've got a great one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I stumbled upon this. It's in. Con- it's a video that was put out in conjunction with that National Portrait Gallery thing happening in London with Michael's uh, artwork or artwork about Michael. And, of course, I, I think, you know, if we had a vote right now, if we put out a poll and said, what is your favourite Michael Jackson album cover, there, there is no doubt in my mind that Dangerous would win. Uh, I think, you know, history might be a close second there with that amazing Diana Walzak piece. But I think Mark Ryden's piece for dangerous i i don't know about you but that's my personal favorite album cover of michael jackson and um it is a gorgeous piece and it was or still is i don't know if the portrait gallery is still doing their thing but it was on display the original painting um at at in london and and mark ryden put out a video explaining the process not of creating the art piece but of creating the official frame that is around the art piece now, he, he was tasked with making that frame, uh, which I think is really fitting that the original artist of the piece gets to make the frame as well that it's seen in or displayed in. Um, obviously, totally. it, was made, it was made posthumously, so Michael wasn't able to participate in that. But uh, I'm really glad Mark was able to. Um, it is uh, an interesting video. It's actually, I'm just going to come out and say it, it's actually super weird. <laughs> but then again, it's Mark Ryden we're talking about here. He's, a, he's an abstract artist so the video is going to be weird at one point he's like lying in a bed and michael as a doll flies up to his face and just it's there's some weird stuff going on in it but he describes the the creation of this frame um i will say one little thing i love the frame i love it but you know in the video he he comes out and says i didn't want to create a frame that takes away in any way or distracts you from the piece uh, it's pretty big. Um, <laughs> the frame itself is is huge, uh, way way bigger than the um the actual art piece. <laughs> but um, aside from that little thing, I you know it's you know want that one thing. I think it is a really fitting, beautiful frame that the um that that original dangerous art piece is in, and uh, hopefully it stays in there. Q, your thoughts? Um, I haven't seen the video, but I have seen the sketches the design sketches that you have also linked to in the show notes so i have seen those and i loved those and i love the frame that i've seen in pictures i think that frames like that were this big and elaborate for pieces in the past so to me it doesn't distract from the piece because i've seen other pieces with frames that are almost their own work of art and they complement each other um, but I can't wait to check out the video. I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah, it's a bit of a WTF video. So hit me up with a text once you've seen it. It's, it's very abstract. <laughs> Will do. No worries. <laughs> uh, All right. Fine. My find of the week. Yes. My find of the week this week is a video that listener and legendary Aussie MJ tribute artist Paul Rizzo posted comparing the original release and the number one's DVD release of the film clips for Blood on the Dance Floor and the differences between them. I had never 
paid attention and remembered well. But yeah, there's some differences. I think I had noticed like, oh, that one's got a different shot of the dagger or that one's got this. But there's actually more differences than you would realize. It's like all the Susie sexiness and the Susie knife footage is removed from one version compared to the other. Which one's so? And I know I can't remember. Um, I'll have to go back and check. Um, But like there are apparently different versions of the childhood video, black or white, obviously. And you are not alone as well. Mm. I saw someone mention in the comments on Facebook. So maybe if someone else has or if someone's going to do a comparison, that would be actually really interesting to see. If there's already one out there, send me a link. I'd be interested to see. But I just thought that was a really cool thing. I think he pointed this out to us back in uh, late July. I just have not had a chance to use it as my find of the week until now. But um, thank you, Paul. Very interesting. Go check it out. The little Facebook video is linked in our show notes. Very cool. Very good find. I love Paul Rizzo. I follow his social media and he's a great guy. I didn't realize he was into like cosplay to the max. He um he dresses up as all sorts of people and goes to conventions and stuff. Really cool guy. That's a whole other talent in itself. Nice one. Thanks, Paul. Alrighty. Um, well, there are fines, and I believe we also have a few little thank yous and mailbag things to do. Yeah. Do you want to thank our correspondents, and then I can do the rest? Sure. So we would like to say thank you very much to Yannicka Vanderlind of Jackson Source Magazine and website. You are amazing, and we appreciate everything you do for the MJ cast and, of course, the Jackson family fans all around the world. So thank you, Yannicka. Thank you, Charlie Thompson, our legal correspondent. Always love hearing from you, and we look forward to having you back at some point on the show where we can chat together. Um, Thank you, Stephen, of Michael Jackson Fans for Charity. We love everything you're doing with a monthly giving campaign and also Moonwalk Walks at the moment. So thank you. We love you. And also, not officially a correspondent, but Serena, thank you for your contribution to this week's episode where you talked about everything that happened at your experience at the Michael Jackson Diamond Celebration in Vegas. And thank you for the audio of the Q&A session as well, Serena. Oh, of Much course. appreciate it. Yes, yes. Yeah, go you. check it out on YouTube if you want to hear what Brank has to say about stuff or not. <laughs> My thank yous this week always, Carly. Thank you so much for being such a big support for us. And I'm sorry the Bombers didn't make it into the finals, the grand finals this year in the AFL. Nina, our special diva, thank you so much. Uh, Sarah Chainer on Facebook, just a little shout out. You've just discovered the show, so it's going to be an exciting journey for you. Hi, Sarah. Luca Balesi, my mate Luca in Melbourne that I met at our Dangerous 25 party the other year. Um, thank you so much for that link to the amazing acoustic mixes. I cannot wait to play them in future episodes. Loved them. Barrett Kristen. And at MJ Quiz Cheetah, Trevor Williams at Trevor underscore Ray underscore, at DJ Freeze NL, Nathan Venestra. And the fan forum, oh, I want to give a special shout out to at C Moriz on Twitter and the Italian fan forum, 
Michael Jackson Fam Square Italy. So if you are an Italian listener, there is a fan forum that you should go and check out. And over on a certain forum, I want to give a special shout out to CM Strike. You stood up for us against a certain troll necks. Um, I saw that and you rock. So thank you very much. And in closing our mailbag, I just want to give a special thank you to Claudia Macha, Tony Lee Peters, Anard from Paris, Luke McConville, David Manley, Michael from Coachella, Charlie Carter, Tracy, Pamela Bejal, and Sean Fitzgerald for your emails. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's awesome. We're so lucky, aren't we, that all these great people listen to the show or help us out and give us information and wow. Yes, it's a lot. We get a lot from everyone and I do apologize that I can't always reply. Sometimes they get lost. I just literally this moment, one minute ago, I got a tweet from Hoyts Australia. Mm, I saw that I'm going to read it. You did? I'm going to read it. It says, hi, unfortunately, we are not always able to screen every film which releases due to the amount of new releases at one time. We appreciate the feedback, which will be shared for review. And that was in response for them. I must have made another tweet about them not screening the thriller. To be honest, it looks like they haven't even looked at what I was talking about. <laughs> Hoyts are yep. too expensive. I do not use Hoyts. I use Reading Cinemas. Hoyts are way too expensive. Ridiculous prices. That's our show. We're done. Wow. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. That was a good one. <laughs> I loved our chat with Courtney and Cam. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, totally. If you haven't, go subscribe to their podcast and then go subscribe to Damien Shields' podcast. Yep. The podcast family is growing. That's it. Jamin, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you, Carlos. Oh, you're a dork. All right. <laughs> I'm going to sign off. I'm Michael on, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the MJ Cast. See you in a couple of weeks. Keep Michaeling.